warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 310. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushover pop culture. Leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. Jake's not here. Jake's working. It's me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Woo. As you can tell uh, by uh, the laughter, um, I have the Big Bang Theory Laugh Track as our guest this week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess <laughs> yeah. that's the only way that's funny. Um, no, we are joined by uh, Neil Tholander. Welcome back, dude. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. It's been a while. Absolutely. It's, uh, I was happy to hear that you were able to make this episode. We made it work. We, we made did it make work. it work, and thank you for that. Where there's, yeah, where there's a will, there's a way, and we made it work. But we're not alone. It's not just me and Neil. We also have Paul Hart from Movies from the Heart and the Animated Badcast. Welcome back, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Happy late Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Was it good? Good times, everybody? Yeah, it was yeah. great. I got to just sit here and watch TV and movies all. Like I've had off since Tuesday, so it's just been a fun time to be a bum. There you go, man. <laughs> it's just nice sitting around and watching content. Got, Absolutely. Get to watch a lot of stuff that you haven't seen before, a lot of new stuff. Tons of new stuff. Oh, man, we're going to be diving into that new stuff in Good Pop, Bad Pop. That's the thing we do. It's a deep dive. We're going to get all deep in this. Going to get all deep in this. You sounded very, very pornorific right there with that statement. <laughs> Probably the only time in my life. <laughs> Oh man! If would you do that? Would, would either would either one of you? Back, and not now, because nobody we're not nobody's doing it now. Nobody's doing, I would it, do it now at this age. <laughs> but like I'm talking about, like in your in your in your late teens, early twenties, when you're just horny as fuck. You know what I mean? You just you're just 
the hormones are raging. Like you're fucking, you're fucking everything. You're humping the air. Everything's getting humped. Like you, you wake up. You've got, you've got these. You've got the you, nocturnal emissions. Those are happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 I'm, ta- I'm talking about you can you can uh, crack one off in the fucking refractory periods like ten seconds. You're ready. You are ready to go again. You do it. Are you doing? Are you doing a porn? Are you embarrassing your entire family? Are you are you are you doing it? For me, there's absolutely no way. No way I would ever fucking be in a porno. That yeah, me either. Question. I mean, I do like I and have done home videos, but never I would never do it in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, I've taken I've taken a few Polaroids, but I've never not for you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I used to have. There's no way I could get that shit developed. You know what I mean? <laughs> At the fucking Walgreens. So I had the Polaroid. Oh man. And then it's like, and then the next girlfriend finds them. She's like, throw those away. And I gotta make the trick, trip out to the garbage can and take one final look at them before I let them go. <laughs> <laughs> Gazing wistfully at what had been. I know. I swear I've got some around here somewhere that I hid and I don't know where they are. <laughs> yeah, you said they were like in a book or a picture frame on the, one episode, I, I believe. Yeah, the true story, true story. They're behind a picture frame and I don't know what happened to that picture. <laughs> so somewhere around here in storage or something. There is a picture frame, and behind it, there are some nudie pictures that I took years ago in my nice. 20s. Yeah, somewhere. I have no <laughs> idea. All tasteful. All t- <laughs> <laughs> it's art at that point, correct? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Some nude woman on a futon is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what classes it up, the futon part. It wasn't my suggestion either. These were, the, it was not my suggestion. But I damn well took those pictures. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Neil, home videos. Yeah. Straight to video Neil is what they called you back in the day. <laughs> wouldn't, that, hey, wouldn't that have been fucked up? Like, if you accidentally put that VHS in with a movie you were returning to Blockbuster? Oh, yeah, that would be fucked up. And it was oh, and it was a bullshit movie like you fucking rented like <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic or <laughs> <laughs> And that's an improvement at that point, isn't it? Oh. That's true. There's no way you're going to confuse that VHS tape though cuz it was a Did you ever see that <laughs> VHS? Green, I think. It was orange. Oh, it was orange. It was like orange. Orange. Yeah. No, it was uh let's say it was you replaced it with Fled with Stephen Baldwin and Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Oh, then it is an improvement. I heard of that movie. I well, now you now you have now you have. Aren't they like convicts and they're handcuffed to each other? I think so. I think you're right. I think that. Yeah, I snuck into that movie once. Who's his daughter? Is it his daughter married to Justin Bieber? Justin, yeah, the Biebs. Why do I know that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing that's going on. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, straight to video. Neil, Neil, he still got those videos, still rocking those videos somewhere. <laughs> no, that was they were actually on an iPhone that I have since parted ways with. <laughs> oh, so whoever works at the Verizon store <laughs> currently watching those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere yeah. there's a guy with glasses going, "Can you hear me now, baby? Can you hear me now?" <laughs> 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 oh man, I don't know about this one, guys. 
<laughs> that's all, that's all the fun banter I got six minutes into this fucker. That's all, that's all I got. Done. What's that? We're done. We're done. That's it. Yeah, let's wrap just, it up. We can just wrap up the entire episode at this point. Yeah, we're not we're not going to be doing the iTunes reviews. Not going to be reading the emails this week. Going to be saving those for when Jake returns next week. Uh, episode three eleven. Remember the band three eleven. Yeah, you guys down. Were you guys three eleven fans? I I didn't really care for the number oh. bands. I was not a big number fit like number band guy. I I didn't care for Blink eight Blink one eighty two. Fucking, I did uh, like it. Yeah, I didn't care. The Link one eighty two and three eleven and what is it? they all had numbers back in the day. What is it? They did. I am a fan. I became a fan of three eleven for a really weird reason. My son was born on March eleventh, so I always play a three eleven song on his birthday. Yeah, that's fucking no. stupid. <laughs> Paul's like, oh my god, I said that out loud. I did, I did. That's okay. Oh man, well, who's who are the worst number? Right, Third Eye Blind, right? Were they? Yeah, were, not good. Were, did they, did they sing the closing time song? Was that them? No. Who was no. that? Who was that? Who sang closing that, time? God, I want to say, was it something with Sonic? <sighs> Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog? Yep, yep, he sang it. Jaleel White sang it. Jaleel White, yeah, Sonic Jaleel the Hedgehog. <laughs> Semi-Sonic sang it. Semi-Sonic. Oh, they weren't full Sonic. They were semi-Sonic. No, they're just semi. Yeah, they couldn't get a full Sonic going. <laughs> we all, yeah. One of my videos. Another thing, I didn't have a problem with in my 20s, you know, but, you know, it's a... Another thing that we, yeah, as we get older. Now, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> can't get the full Sonic these days, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, horny, horny goat weed. Is that a thing that they sell in those uh, gas stations, the old horny goat weed? Oh, those commercials were the best when that goat was like doing the fist bump. He's like, gentlemen, start your engines. What? That was a commercial? I never that, seen that. I swear Paul. to God, that was a commercial. That's the one that Paul finally broke down and called. <laughs> I did. I, I ran to the nearest speedway. <laughs> Give me a horny goat weed now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> pack that, pack that pillow. Oh man, we're just giggling. This is stupid. <laughs> man, I don't even know anymore. Ah, let's see here. So, I guess you know what we'll do. Since we're not doing any iTunes reviews, since we're not doing any uh, uh, emails this week, I guess we'll just jump into good pop, bad pop. Get this motherfucker going. Let's get this party. Let's act. We just, we just fucking ate horny goat weed, and we're ready to go. <laughs> Full force. Start your engines. Yep. Horny goat weed. It was just like these little men's stations in the bathroom where it was like, oh, I, I you can't, you can't, okay, yeah, you need protection. Yeah, we get rib for her pleasure. Rock it. And then the next thing in there was like, oh, you stink. Here's some cologne. And then the next one was like, <laughs> oh shit, you now that you smell good, you can't get it up. And it's like, oh, here's some horny goat weed. It was just like this full service right there in the fucking men's room, hanging on the wall. You ever, I've never seen anybody use it though. I've never even seen one of those. Really? We've got one. We've got one down at the fucking uh, gas station down here. You go into the bathroom huh. and uh, hanging right there on the wall, you can insert like 75 cents or a buck 50 or whatever the fuck it is. And they got like the full service there for the men. You get the, you get your different scents. You can get your generic Dracar Noir. <laughs> 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 and then you get, 
you can get your fucking cock ring or your condom and <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's a, and then they got the horny goat weed pills or whatever. It's all they're right still there. selling those? That's insane. They're selling something. They're selling something okay. that makes you that makes your dick hard. <laughs> so I remember. I remember reading something on Esquire about a guy that for one week just tried all those pills from a gas station. Oh yeah, supersize me. It was the same. It was same time. <laughs> same time. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, hey. This is a prequel. Yeah, absolutely. The title's not broke. His dick's broke. The title's not broke, so let's not fix it. You know. <laughs> 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 all oh, right man guys all right it is time now for good pop <laughs> good, good pop bad pop it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or week they believe the weather i'm telling like porky pig i'm slowly <laughs> i'm like whoa what, what is going on here Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I tried watching this uh, new show, and it might get better. I tried watching. It's called The Feed on Amazon Prime. Have you guys seen any of this? Have you heard about The Feed on Amazon Prime? I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, a man's invention of a brain implant that allows people to share thoughts and emotions gets into the wrong hands. And uh, I got about 15 minutes into this one and I was just kind of bored out of my goddamn mind. <laughs> so I think I need a brain implant to enjoy this fucking shit. <laughs> Is I, it trying to be like Black Mirror? A little bit, but it's it's like Black Mirror meets like a it just it feels not as high concept. It just feels cheaper and it's got I, I was just not impressed. Like I, I see what they're doing with the technology here. It is kind of cool the way they kind of show it. This guy's at a, at a wedding and, and all the people are listening to like the father give a speech, but like he's listening to music in his head and he's bopping along and he ends up flirting with a woman there. And then they jump ahead and it looks like they're a couple and she's pregnant. And I don't know. I didn't get to the part where the brain implant, uh, gets into the wrong hands and mm. where that so maybe it gets better i was just kind of like not feeling this show so i just kind of stepped away but if i hear it gets better i probably will still not watch this show it's <laughs> it's you know there's so much out there it's you're gonna ha always gonna have like one you know, guy or, you know, lady saying, oh, it, get, oh, it gets better. And it's like, ah, it just didn't grab me. It just wasn't enough. So for those people that come at me and say, oh, hey, man, yeah, stick on it. It, it, it gets better. Um, probably won't. So those are, yeah, those <laughs> probably won't. Yeah. Those, those, those comments have fallen on deaf ears just to let, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I'm still watching the anime Dr. Stone every week. Uh, I am loving this show. I think they're currently on episode 22. Um, it comes, episodes come out on Friday. I, I, like Sunday is the day where I'm watching anime. 
So I watch it every Sunday. And uh, fuck, I love Dr. Stone. So good. Um, I watched a new anime that dropped on Netflix this week. It dropped on Friday. It's called Levius. And it's a Japanese anime series based on the Levius manga by Nataka Harihisa. And uh, as society rises from the ashes of war, cybernetically augmented arena fighters battle for fame and fortune or die trying. It's the 19th century, and the world has entered the era of rebirth. Recovering from the devastating flames of war, the sport of mechanical martial arts has galvanized the nations. Cybernetically augmented fighters turn their blood into steam and their bodies into brutal fighting and killing machines. Uh, young Levius is one of those battle uh, arena battlers uh, hell-bent on winning in order to simply survive. So um, I started watching this. It's... It, reminded me at first i was just like ah this is just, just going to be another megalobox which is another anime where uh people have like mech arms and they they battle in the ring it's not it's very since it takes place in the 19th century it's and it's very steampunk um and then it's also got like this mech these mech armored robots that are in there during this war and we get flashbacks to that there's this mystery too about why levius is fighting to begin with, we see this shot of him when he was a kid, uh, when there's this war of man versus machine, and he, as a child, is watching this mech kidnap two kids, and one, and he's hiding the entire time. One of these kids looks directly at Levius and screams for help, and he does nothing because he's scared. So soon after the war, he gets his parents are dead, and he gets adopted and he's walking the streets with like his new foster father and he sees what looks like the same girl that was taken in that kidnapping by the mech and so he runs after her and follows her to this arena where he sees that there's these metal boxing matches that are going on but he loses the girl in the crowd but he starts to watch the metal boxing and then he starts to learn to be one of these uh mech boxers himself and um, I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, and I think I'm thinking maybe it's in hope that one day he's in a fight and this girl will show up to one of his matches so that he can uh, finally get some answers from her. What, what was going on there? Um, he's also not the he's he's also the only fighter that I've seen so far that has only one mech arm. So he has a human arm and his other arms mech. Most of the fighters that I've seen, all the fighters that I've seen so far have both had these mechanized arms for this metal boxing. Uh, I'm going to give this one a, I'm going to give it a uh, taste it so far. I am enjoying it. I think it's getting better. I would almost say it's a high taste it, but I, I just, I'm only two episodes in, so I need to keep watching this one, but it's kind of cool. It's a cool concept, you know? Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I definitely wanted to start that today, like about an hour ago, and I thought it was just a movie, and then I saw it was a whole season. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I I definitely want to give it like time to just kind of binge the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, I, almost, I saw the trailer. It sounded really cool. Yeah, it's it's decent, man. It's decent. I, I And I, there's enough mystery in there to kind of like make me want to watch a little bit more of this and kind of see where it goes. Um, and I'm, I stopped immediately stopped comparing it to Megalobox. Like the only things that this has in, uh, you know, the only concept that's the same on this one is that there's metal boxing. 
but there's enough <laughs> to this one and enough mystery to it to separate it from Megalobox. Megalobox, great anime people. You should probably be watching that one too. Um, awesome. uh, let me talk, I'll talk about one more thing and I'll pass it off to one of you guys. I saw a movie, uh, this week called The Parts You Lose. And, uh, it's a deaf 10 year old boy, Wesley, lives on a small farm in North, Do- North Dakota and commutes to a school for the deaf. He is bullied at the school, at home. He has a good relationship with his mother, though not his father. One day he comes across an injured man who he helps recover and they become friends. The man teaches the boy how to stand up to the school bully and his father. The police come looking for the man and Wesley struggles be, uh, with being loyal to his new friend. This one's directed by Christopher Cantwell. And I think he can well, cause I, <laughs> no, you're good, you're, you're good enough. You're smart enough, Christopher. You, uh, what, what a horrible last name. Cantwell. It's just, it's almost like life is just, it's almost, tr- life is trying to knock you down as soon as you get your surname there with that guy. You know what I mean? He had a, he had a, he had a rough road ahead of him with that last name. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, directed by Christopher Cantwell, based on a screenplay, screenplay by uh, Darren Lemke. Uh, the director, uh, Christopher Cantwell, is one of the two co-creators of the TV series uh, AMC's Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, oh, nice. Cantwell is also writing his own comic book, She Could Fly, which has been picked up uh, by AMC as a TV series. Uh, he's also writing comic books for Doctor Doom and The Mask. Um, this one stars Danny Murphy as Wesley, the little deaf boy who befriends the criminal here. Uh, Aaron Paul is the big name in this one. It also has Scoot McNary and Mary Elizabeth. Uh, Scoot McNary! Uh, Scoot McNary! I was about to ask for that. <laughs> I was hoping for the triple scoot there, Paul. Oh, I, I can't do it too well. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Neil, we were one scoot from a triple scoot, man. Uh, we, were, we were. I let we you guys down. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Dude, the, the, the elusive, the elusive <laughs> triple elusive scoot. Triple scoot. It, it's, it still evades us, Neil. <laughs> it does. Well, there's still time. One there's day, time. one day we will get the elusive triple scoot. It'll happen. Um, looking forward to it. Looking forward to, <laughs> looking forward to that day. Oh man. My parents are so proud. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Danny Murphy, uh, Aaron Paul, Scoot McNary and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It's got quite the cast. Um, this is a, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I feel like some of the reviews on this one, people were just like not really, uh, digging this movie. And for me, I, 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 I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm going to give it a high tasted overall. I think it's, uh, there's, you've got this robbery in town that went really bad and five guys were holding up a bank and four out of the five have been apprehended or killed. I don't know, but they, four out of the five have been apprehended. And the only one that's on the run here now is, uh, is Aaron Paul's and he shot up pretty bad. This kid takes very good care of him. And it kind of gives this kid purpose as to where everybody else looks at this kid as helpless. He gets bullied at school. The kid's at school. There's one kid in particular that comes up behind him every day and wipes his fucking boogers on the back of this kid's hair. Ugh, and how, you know, yeah. And how, you know, how terrible is that, you know, to, to deal with that every day? And he's also being abused at home by his father, not so much when the mother's around, but when mom's gone, 
this father is an alcoholic and he's yelling at a deaf kid, slamming his fist. He's embarrassed of his boy and it's really sad to watch this. And so how, now we've got this a, a, a criminal who's supposed to be the bad guy hanging out in uh, one of the barns behind the house and this kid's taking care of him, feeding him, bringing him medicine uh, and, and it, it finally making this kid feel like he has some purpose in this life. And uh, learning lessons from this guy, learning how to stand up for himself. And then it comes down to the day, you know, of course, when this guy's got to try to make his uh, retreat and leave. But um, you find out throughout this movie that, like, you would think that uh, the worst person in this movie is the guy that tried to shoot up a bank and make off with a bunch of money. And it's actually the father is the villain in this one, you know. And uh, it's it's an... It's a really, I think it's a really good movie. I'm going to give it a high taste. It. It's called uh, The Parts You Lose with Aaron Paul. And uh, Scoot McNary plays like the drunken father. And then Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays the mother. And I would uh, I would highly recommend this one. Seek it out. I think you can, I watched it on Canopy for free. But uh, you can also rent it, I believe, for like $3.99 for most video on demand streaming services. So, yeah, The Parts You Lose. The part you won't lose is if you take the horny goat weed from the gas station. <laughs> that's the part you use. Um, right off the top of my head. Um, but uh, let's. Uh, I'll jump into one of you guys' good pop, bad pop. I'll start with Paul. What do you got, man? Yeah, um, I I wasn't able to go to the theater, but I watched a ton of shit. And the first thing I watched was. Uh, it's from last year, but it's a movie called Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg yes. and uh, Rose Rose Byrne. Uh, Rose Byrne. Yeah, she um, was uh, she was in the X Men Origins films, and oh, oh she's yeah. great. Yeah, I saw this as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna just jump right into it. I give it a Tupperware. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this movie, like, I mean, obviously the movie, for those who don't know, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rose uh, Byrne. They uh, they decide they want to get into, like, adoption and foster. And, um, like, the past two years I have dealt with a ton of foster families, and the person I'm hanging out with, she has custody of her niece, and she's battling for adoption, and she's a foster mom. And the way this, like, actually gets the struggle of being foster parents right is ridiculous like it's it's so true and of course they'd kind of do the hollywood treatment but i give it a tupperware i thought it was just an amazing movie and it gives a good message on there's families out there that need it uh, i thought it was really funny it was really heartfelt but yeah i give this a tupperware all day yeah i saw it too i gave it a tupperware when i watched it as well i thought it was fantastic okay. i love this movie i thought it was funny it's inspired by a true story and it, i think it like it can inspire regular people to think about like if they can't have their own kids or even if they have their own kids but they want to do something they can yeah i think it's a great movie to watch uh, you know maybe if you're on the fence about maybe being a foster parent or adoption or something like that this is a great movie i thought it was really good Oh my God! The lady that, like, the single white lady that just wants uh, to copy Sandra Bullock's *The Blind Side*. Yeah. I was dying the entire time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and then who she ends up with at the end? I'm fucking dead at the end. <laughs> I'm so dead at the end. That's just um, funny. Oh my God! Yeah, it's on, yeah. if you have if you have epics, it's playing on epics. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu I, too. There you go. It just dropped on Hulu. I, I watched yeah. it on Hulu now. 
um, if I can do what, like, I just kind of want to get back into the stuff that I have been watching. Cause I know you got me onto this, but for all mankind. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. They just dropped episode seven. And this is, I mean, I think Apple TV needs to be pushing this more than they're pushing the morning show and see like, this is their, I feel like this is their crown jewel. Yeah. I'm like on, I'm on episode three, but, uh, you're, you're all the way through seven. Yeah, I just finished the newest up, but like, wow. I, I get up on Friday because I'm used to waking up at like five on Friday morning, so I turn this on a Mandalorian and. Oh yeah, Mandalorian. It's like, cause like you want to avoid, oh, fuck. you want to avoid those spoilers, but yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, we can talk about, I don't know, we can talk about that here in a little bit if you guys want, but are you watching that too, Neil? Mandalorian? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I am. oh man. Yeah. That was fucking amazing. But yeah, for all mankind, they like, they're pretty much in the mid seventies now. And the story they're going with is just, I can't wait every week to like, I just love how they're altering history and yeah. just like subtle yeah. ways they're doing it. But it's like uh Joel Kinnanen. He's, he's amazing in this. Oh man. He's, he was great in uh altered carbon. Yeah. And the killing on AMC. He was yeah. awesome in that. Yeah. I never watched the killing. I, I, I heard, like that show. I, was good. I heard he was spectacular in, in the Robocop remake. I'm kidding. He <laughs> was. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck that movie. <laughs> I've never watched it. I've refused. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I wish I had your guys' integrity. Oh, uh, Jake, Jake, that piece of shit. Jake totally watched it. Jake, Jake totally watched it. I, I, I was like, I'm against it. So I was just like, fuck this. Well, are you going to see the new one if, like, all the stars align and we get, like, a more faithful adaptation of it? Oh, man. Well, I'll have to see. A, uh, yeah, if it's rated R, I'm definitely there, no matter yeah. what. But this was another PG-13 fucking go at RoboCop, which I'm not down with. So, no. yeah, if it's rated R and if it's, I don't know. I don't know about this new director, Abe Forsyth, either. We'll see. We'll see what happens with RoboCop Returns. It might. This might just fall by the wayside. At the end of the day. Yeah, totally. Just like Neil Blomkamp's alien movie. Yeah, oh, and Neil Blomkamp's shot at Robocop Returns. He was yeah. going to that, too. <laughs> he could have got Pete Weller to be in it, of course. Yeah, I don't know. Neil Blomkamp. I don't know. I I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie of his that I've liked. Not I didn't, even District 9? I didn't, even, I didn't like District 9. It was not okay. for me. I know everybody loves that fucking movie. I did not like District 9. I didn't like uh, Elysium. was just, yeah. Oh, that was weird. And I uh, never saw Chappie. And uh, I don't know. I, just, I actually like Chappie. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard people like Chappie. Uh, is that what Hugh Jamie? Jackman? Yeah. No. And Sigourney oh. Weaver. Oh, is and, it Hugh Jackman's in Chappie? No, he's not Chappie, but he's in it. Okay. I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was. I was. I was getting confused with that one metal boxing movie with the rock and <laughs> real steel, the real steel, which real steel. That's what the, I thought of when I saw your um, notes about what was it, um, Levius? Levius, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also got D Antwerp in it, and I'm really a big fan of their music. So yeah, I've never never seen uh, never seen the Chappie. Maybe one of these days I'll watch. Watch the Chappie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're calling it these days? The Chappie. Yeah. yeah. The Chappie. After the horny goat weed, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, yeah, for all mankind. So you're through episode 
seven on this one. They're on episode, episode seven already. They're on episode seven. I just started. Um, I got through episode three of the morning show today with uh, Steve Carell, Jennifer yeah. Aniston, and Reese Willerspoon on um, on Apple T on the Apple TV streaming service. And right now, that's a Tupperware. I was a huge fan of the Newsroom with Jeff Daniels, written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. And this feels just like that, but during the day. And um, they kind of did amazing casting. They got Martin Short to play like a Harvey Weinstein type of producer in Hollywood. Oh <laughs> and he's kind of too convincing at it right now. Uh, I just wish he would come back and play Jiminy Glick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then um, I'm all caught up on Watchmen. Oh, and God. Yeah. Fucking. Oh, did you see the newest episode? I did. After oh, she takes. Yeah. Oh my god, the Minutemen episode with I mean, with that giant twist where they change yeah. like fuck, that was insane. But I mean, they're taking every all the elements from the Alan Moore stuff and just expounding upon it is what mm-hmm. Lindelof is doing. And I think it's I don't know. I think it's I think these last these last two episodes have like really picked up for me. Oh, totally. Yeah, this last one was really awesome. After she takes those nostalgia pills. And we just get the whole backstory on Hooded Justice. Yeah, that, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm digging that show. So we've only got like what is it? Three more episodes left. Is they it, said on it, the yeah, because yeah, yep. they're going. It's a nine episode season. Oh, that's that's kind of cool though. Actually, to keep it short. Yeah, and I don't know if we're gonna get a season two or not because Lindelof said he's just doing the one. Oh, wow, so far, and I don't know if he's a hundred percent made up his mind. But we'll see what happens if they decide to do a season two or not. And if they do, I'm just do the Westworld approach where it's like a year and a half in between seasons. Like I mm-hmm. have no problem with that. And if he does <clears> plan, <throat> if he does plan to go out, there's a lot of shit to be wrapped up in these three episodes. Then, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Holy shit, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. And like, isn't um, isn't Night Owl? Didn't they? Didn't they allude to Night Owl being in prison? Yes, they did. Yeah. And like, we haven't even, I mean, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, that, that's stuff you can save for season two. We gotta get a season two. We gotta get some Night Owl stuff in season two. You know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy I work with. He, he's watching the show. He's like, yeah, he's like, but I've never read the graphic novel. I'm like, well, do you have a lot of questions? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so do I. And I've read that thing like yeah. three times. It doesn't, it. it does it's amazing. It, 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 it's great, but it's like, it doesn't matter if you've read it. Cause like this show is going to leave so many questions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except like he had no idea who like the FBI lady was like, he didn't appreciate yeah. her background. Like I was like, Oh man. Oh God. Jean smart. I, I'm so t- good. I, she, right. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing with her. It's like she has just been getting involved with some great creators here. Like she was on Legion with Noah Hawley, and then she jumped straight from that comic property, which is Marvel, into now the DC Universe, where you know she's, <laughs> uh, or she's playing this iconic character. And I mean, and now she's working with Lindelof. This is like she is so fucking good. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about. You know, I remember her starting off on like designing women. And oh, then, me too. And then being, 
a reoccurring girlfriend on Frasier there for a while, you know, and that was like, that was it, you know, and like, here she is, like, she's doing some really heavy hitting fucking acting, like, for as much love as Regina King is getting, which is deserved, I mean, people mm-hmm. should also be looking at the performance of Gene Smart, she's fucking incredible in Watchmen, so. And Tim Blake Nelson, his whole oh, little origin yeah. episode was fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, Looking Glass, that Looking Glass episode I thought was awesome. And Jeremy Irons is killing it, too. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I like him. I like him. Uh, so, um, wow, how did we get off on watch? What, anything else did you want to talk about, Paul? Well, I know there's a lot yeah, that I watched that you said, but, I mean, I guess I'll quickly get into it. Um, you got me into an anime movie this morning called I Lost My Body. Yes. Let me set this one up here real quick. This is okay. uh, I Lost My Body. It's a French animated film. Directed by Jeremy Clapping. Uh, it uh, premiered in uh, the International Critics Week section at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival. It won the Nespresso Grand Prize. It became the first animated film to do so in the section's history. This one's based on Guillaume Laurent's novel Happy Hand. And this is one I've been looking forward to for a couple of months now. And uh, I Lost My Body. It's, it's the story of a severed hand. Yes, a severed hand. Mm-hmm. On a journey to find its way back to its owner, Nofel. Nofel is a terrible pizza delivery man who's looking for a better future after his family dies in a tragic car accident in his childhood. The movie continually flashes back to Nofel's youth as well as the present timeline where the severed hand is looking for him and his body. And when he meets Gabrielle, a woman that he falls in love with, when he talks to her after a failed pizza delivery through an intercom at her apartment complex, not even seeing this woman, um, all these stories that then lead up to uh, us seeing the moment when Nofel loses his hand. So basically, yes, I, I've been talking about this movie and um, <laughs> kind of like this severed hand story. It, it, it is bizarre, but it's beautifully... The animation is beautifully shot, beautifully rendered, and the, it's, so basically you have this hand walking around on its fingers, kind of like thing from the Adams family. <laughs> yeah. And you get scenes of like this hand, like in a, in a refrigerator, busting out of a plastic baggie, and making its way to find Nofel. And, it's attacked by rats on a subway, it falls through ice in a pond, it, gets picked up by a dog when it you know uh it he it fights a pigeon fights a pigeon yeah it <laughs> has to make its way through traffic on a freeway there's a lot of these scenes but as we're watching these scenes it's flashing back to Nofel's youth it's flashing back to Nofel meeting this girl it's flashing back to Nofel um you know getting a new job taking on a new kind of uh uh position trying to learn a new skill and um and it all kind of like collides and we find out, um, you know, the moment he loses his hand. Uh, did you watch this in the original French or did you watch the English version? It only gave like I, I just hit play. It never gave me an option. I watched the dub version with Nev Patel and George Went and. Oh, so you, uh, see, I, I watched the French version. 
Oh, like I just hit play and it just played with them speaking in English. You must have like settings in yours to just play like the dubs or something. Cause like I, when I watched it, I watched it in the original French. I didn't realize that there was this English version that had, it has Dev Patel, like you said, and Aaliyah Shawkat plays Gabrielle. Aaliyah Shawkat yeah. from Arrested Development. I didn't know. I watched it in the original French. Um, cause I'm, yeah, cause I'm all snooty like that, you know? Oh, 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 uh, I'm gonna agree with a lot. Of, uh, I'm gonna agree with a lot of what you said. I thought it was beautiful. Um, I didn't think a story about just a hand walking around the city would be so intriguing. I love the dynamic between him and Gabrielle and like his journey. But I gotta say, at the end when the credits rolled, I was just like, "What?" Because I like, I'm like, I need a part two right now. Like, I need to know more of why See, like how is the hand doing this like what's gonna happen to them like i just felt like it just cut like it just stopped like mid-scene i was like wait no I felt, that can't be it here's a here's the jeremy uh clapping the the director and i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right um he says that the film is an urban modern fairy tale about destiny and resilience it tells us that uh, to change things we must surprise ourselves dare to do something unusual, stray away from the straight and narrow. And I mean, with that ending, I think it was, I don't know. I think it was basically, it was something that he was talking about, like the trajectory of our lives changing us doing something so different that we shouldn't do, but like, and then just moving forward from that moment. And he basically does what he described to Gabrielle, like literally, yeah, and I, I mean, and I, of course, like, with no spoilers, but the whole crane thing, too, is a that's perfect what, metaphor for that. Right, yeah. So, like, I just think, like, at the end, I don't want to get into spoilers. I just think no, at no, the no. end, everything was kind of, like, everything kind of worked out, and it didn't need to go any farther. Like, there's a moment of realization for them both that... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that, but I just fell so in love with the two leads that I wanted to see more of their story, whether or not it worked out the way I wanted, like the way I wanted to. But I'm gonna give it a Tupperware because I love the animation. I thought just such a like just such a crazy concept of just falling in love with a severed hand, making its way through all the shit you said and his journey, him with the recorder, with his parents. It was just, it was a beautiful movie. It was fun to watch. It was gorgeous. The score, mm -hmm. the score in the movie was God, fantastic. The score was so good. The score was amazing. I, I think like that makes half of the movie right there. I was totally. hoping for like him and the hand to be like 100% reunited because that would mean you could have the ultimate strangers when you're doing your GAO time. <laughs> 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 and it gets so close. I'm not trying to like, like you said, spoil anything. Sure. But like when the yeah, when the hand gets yeah there, you're like, oh, it was just like. And now when you're like, because I didn't read anything about the movie when you're saying the director said that, I'm thinking of him laying in his bed sleeping, and they, I think you know exactly what part I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes oh man, that definitely. 
puts it in a whole new context. Yeah, definitely a missed moment for J.O. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit of J.O. time going on there. But, uh, yeah, Neil, this is one I think – I'm going to give this one a Tupperware. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I think when it initially ended, I was like, what the fuck? You can't end there. And then I just kind of like accepted it. You know what I mean? I <laughs> thought about it some more and I accepted it. Um but uh yeah it's called uh, I lost my body and it's uh it's it's on Netflix. Oh cool. Yeah, it just yeah. dropped on Netflix. Netflix uh picked this one up, which is nice that they picked this one up. So yeah. Um let's see here. What what do you have Neil that we, that we aren't that we aren't covering as a group? Um I don't know if you've talked about it before or if you're planning on it, but it's uh, a series from NBC called Making It just dropped on Hulu. It's a craft competition um, hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. I've heard about this. I've never watched it, though. Yes. Lincoln Open, and Ron uh, Swanson. Yes. Uh, they are amazing together. Their chemistry is still so good. Um, it's only six episodes. And they're, they're, they're an hour each, but which boils down to about 45 minutes each. Um, and they have these craft competitions every every episode where they they make um two different things and and some of the skills of these people are absolutely fantastic so these are Uh, these aren't these are these are people that are uh very they're already in this kind of world they they, they're 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 already craftsmen it's not like these are just like uh you know it's not like nailed it okay yeah all right (laughs) it's got the same tone as far as the playfulness and just the kind of friendliness of it all yeah like everybody seems to be getting along really well uh but yeah you have wood uh wood crafters you have felters you have paper artists um and they all have uh to make like a a similar thing but they're using their own styles and skill sets and their own interpretations of it uh, it's, it's absolutely delightful. It, it's such, it's a fun little show. Um, as I said, Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman are <laughs> just so much fun to watch together. Are they the, it, are they the judges? No, they're the hosts. Um, there are two other judges, uh, this guy named Simon Doonan, who, uh, do, do, did the window decorations for Barney's in New York. Uh-huh. And then this lady named Dana Isom Johnson, uh, she's an Etsy trend a person, which I don't put much stock in, but she seems to have a pretty good eye okay. for what's cool and everything. Um, so they're the they're the judges that they bring in to judge each each round. Does the does and, the, the male judge does he have a wacky mustache by any chance? Uh, it's not wacky, but he's very he's very funny. It, he, okay. It's kind of like uh, the buttercream guy from Nailed It. Oh, Jean. <laughs> but he's English instead. Ah, got gotcha. um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a super fun show. It's really feel good. Um, the last episode, they make stuff for this couple's wedding, and they actually do the wedding on on camera. Um, so they're all making so it, different stuff. Um, they have like they have because I was I was just thinking like they, they were all making the same thing, and like who makes it the best is what. But they're all making different shit. Well, kind of, they have a theme that they're going that they have to adhere to, and then they do their own versions of that. So, like um, for the the wedding one, they had to make the arch and and a gift, basically. To and then they had to make a wedding topper, a wedding cake topper, 
Um, so they, they have like what they're supposed to make, but they're doing it in their own style compile com- also with the couples kind of personalities in there. Yeah. Huh. Um, it's a really fun show. I Tupperware it. Um, and if you like puns, this is the place for you. It, yeah. it is so punny all the time. And Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler have pun offs like every episode. It's, it's super fun. So they lean into it. Yeah, this sounds like it'd be a uh, a fun kind of show. Just uh, I love this is stuff that this is the kind of stuff I like to put on like right before I go to bed. Like you know, yeah. what I, mean? I don't have to. I don't have to think too much. I don't want to turn. I don't want to turn on something. I don't. It's not like it's. Oh, I, it's. I'm so tired. I'm. I'm ready to fall asleep at any moment. I'm gonna watch Mind Hunter. Like, <laughs> like it, no, it's like no fucking exactly. David. He's David Fincher is going to keep you up all night. There's no fucking way in fuck you're going to be able to go to sleep watching Mind Hunter. It's going to fuck with you, or you're just not going to be paying attention. You're going to miss shit. And so, like, mm-hmm. I I like to watch silly shit like this. Like, I will watch yeah. Storage Wars every fucking night before. <laughs> nope. Oh my or, god, I've been watching. It, I've been watching Storage Wars Northern Treasures, Paul, <laughs> which is the the Canadian version they've been throwing oh, up on Netflix. Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> I even know there was spinoffs. Of oh, this. it's it's yeah, it's it's uh, uh, Storage Wars Northern Treasures. It's so it's so bad. It's good. If it doesn't have Barry, I don't want to watch. Uh, they, n- none of them have Barry anymore. Fuck, he left. Not even the regular one. The regular one. He's he hasn't been on in, in years. He had like a dispute with. Uh, he was like wanting more money and shit, and I think. They just let him go, and he started up his own show on A and E, and then that just didn't last. So he's—I don't oh. think he's doing anything. I also love Jared and Brandy. Oh, they drive me nuts. Oh, they drive me. They think they're so funny. They drive me crazy, Paul. Uh-huh. Oh, I God. stopped like after the. I mean, of course, like who was the one like redheaded guy that hated the Yup guy? Was that Daryl? Daryl. Oh my God. Yeah, Daryl. Yup. And then, that was the that was the the other guy. Yup. Yeah, yep. he had the hat. Did made you, and I remember the one fucking guy that he was like Latino and he always wore like sequin shirts and he bought a like a storage unit that had a Nintendo system and he was almost a hundred percent certain it was worth like a million dollars and yeah. the guy's like, yeah, this is worth five bucks. Right. <laughs> Did you ever see the outtakes of the? It was the Yep guy. When he fucking got in a fight with the auctioneer's wife, no, they, he like pushed her or some shit. And oh then, shit, yeah, dude. And then they fucking somebody recorded this shit on their phone. And you know how she comes off all like, like uh, we're so blessed and Christian lady, you know. And like, then, like the mom, yeah, yeah, dude. As soon as the fucking cameras went off for the regular show, and somebody's recording her and this fight between she took the earrings dude, off, didn't she? Dude, she was like. Fuck you, motherfucker, and yelling, <laughs> and yelling at him, dude. It was insane. You can watch that shit on YouTube, man. I'll send you a link, man. It's oh, fucking I watch nuts. it. She goes fucking batshit on this motherfucker. It's crazy. It's crazy, and he's still on the fucking show. Is he? Is, is the auctioneer and his wife still on the show? Every once in a while, they don't. They're not on all the time. It's usually this girl that they got for the last season. But man, yeah. Oh, they were starting to phase her in a couple episodes yeah. too. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I remember that shit. Now, uh, Neil, I got to ask you a question about the making it. Does Nick like? Does he make anything on the show? Uh, no. But they show some of the stuff he's made, like in the intro credits, like his canoes and yeah, he, uh, paddles and stuff. I was able to see him perform in Milwaukee a couple years ago, and his whole set just was him making a canoe on stage telling <laughs> oh, that's stories. Awesome. It was fucking amazing. 
I love Nick Offerman so much. <laughs> so good. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, let me go over. I'm gonna go over one more thing and then we'll take a quick break. But I did see. Yeah, let's talk about. Um, I saw the Harley Quinn, the new Harley Quinn animated show. Did you see this, Paul? I sure did. Yeah, this is uh, Harley Quinn on DC Universe. It's the uh, very adult uh, kind of R-rated like uh, animated series on uh, DC Universe. The series is uh, written and uh, executive produced by Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, uh, and Dean Laurie, and uh, will follow the misadventures of Harley Quinn and her partner in crime, Poison Ivy, after leaving her abusive ex-boyfriend, the Joker, as she tries to become a member of the Legion of Doom. Uh, Dean Laurie uh, was a producer on Arrested Development and also a writer on the Damon, Damon Wayans movie Major Pain, <laughs> if you remember. Oh, one tubby tubby. Yeah, I love that fucking movie. Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen that in probably since 1995 when it first came out. Um, <laughs> the uh, voice cast on this series is kind of unreal. Uh, we've got Kelly Cuoco, at Cuco, however the fuck you say, Coco Puff Lady. I don't know. Coco Puff Lady. I don't know. It's just a silly fucking name. Just say, don't have a silly fucking name like that. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got her, the Big Bang girl from uh, she's playing Harley Quinn. Uh, Lake Bell as Poison Ivy. Alan Tudyk is playing the Joker. He's playing uh, Clayface. Uh, Diedrich Bader is playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. He's Diedrich Bader from the Drew Carey Show, the Beverly Hillbillies, the the Napoleon Dynamite. I'm trying to think. Office Space. Office Space. Yeah. His second turn as Batman. He was Batman in The Brave and the Bold. That's true, yeah. Uh, we got Jim Rash as Edward Nigma, And I, when I heard the name, when I heard the voice come out for the Riddler, I was like, I know this voice. And I was like, that is, that's Marques from fucking Mike Tyson's Mysteries. And it is um, Ron Funches as uh, King Shark. Uh, Chris Maloney is fucking Commissioner James Gordon. Oh, this. my God. <laughs> Tony Hale is in this series as Dr. Psycho. J.B. Smooth is Frank the Plant inside. Wow. Inside. Yeah, I know. This cast is insane. Jason Alexander returning to animation. I don't, he's probably done more animation, but I just remember him as Duckman on, mm. oh God, I love Duckman on Duck. USA. <laughs> it was, Duckman was so fucking good, dude. It was. Duckman was so goddamn good. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is going to be Lex Luthor on the series. Wanda. What? Wanda Sykes uh, is going to be Queen of Fables. Tom Kenny, yes, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, is going to be playing Clayface's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Is Clayface going to be doing hand puppets in the series? I hope so. With his clay, and I'm guessing the voice for those hand puppets are going to be Tom Kenny. Uh, (laughs) Vanessa Marshall is going to be Wonder Woman. Uh, And Jacob Tremblay, the boy actor from Room and just most recently Good Boys, is going to be playing Damian Wayne, Robin. Nice. Yeah. Mm. So, like, this voice cast is just absolutely fucking insane. What did you think about this first episode, Paul? Oh my god, when it starts off with that rich guy saying my fellow whites I was like, what the fuck? Oh my god. <laughs> and they're on a fucking yacht with a million dollars in cash just sitting on the just yacht. Just sitting there in the my fellow whites. Like what the fuck? Um 
I mean, you know, I love the animated series and I'll always have a place for uh, Paul Dini's Harley Quinn. But holy shit, DC had the balls with this episode. I mean, I knew it was going to be adult when it, but when every other word is fuck. Yeah. 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 And the amount of blood like I and, you know, the whole like Batman's fucking bats joke throughout the entire first episode and Commissioner Gordon pretty much having a midlife crisis, just wanting Batman to come to his barbecue. It was just it was like the perfect oddball comedy show. I'm going to give it a high taste because I want to see where this goes. But I I had a lot of fun and I like Kaylee Coco Puff kind of giving her own take to it and not trying to recreate like a Tara strong or anything. Yeah. Like she kind of gave it her own voice and yeah, I was like, I, there was a lot of parts that just had me laughing out loud. I, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a fun first outing for her. Yeah. She kind of goes from like that, you know, the jester looking Harlequin to the, the, what we saw in like the new 52, well, yeah, exactly. In, in the Suicide Squad, and it's kind of like her independence, and I, I, I kind of like like that. You know, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a like the female empowerment episode is this first one of her like you know breaking free of the Joker and everything. The cursing works, but it doesn't work. It's weird because it's like I think like with anything in comedy, like sometimes less is more. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like sometimes like there was just moments that she was dropping the F bomb just to drop it. Just, just to like reiterate the fact that, yeah, this is fucking R8. This ain't your daddy's fucking animated Batman. Like this is fucking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ooh, shit, motherfucker. You know, she's edgy, edgy yeah. and shit. And <laughs> I just felt like it was kind of like, um, sometimes if you pull back on that and then like, if you, if you don't have her using that language so much, by the time we do get to a point in the episode where it's called for and she's like, fuck you real loud like or something like that then you're just laughing your ass off because you weren't expecting that from this character but like they immediately have her fucking you know swearing like a sailor and so it kind of loses the impact a little bit but i mean it's not like i'm gonna sit here and piss and moan it even if even if she's cursing too much i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck if people curse i curse all the time on here i I honestly, I don't care. It's just, I think like for comedy though, I feel like sometimes less is more. And, um, I think it kind of took away from some, some, maybe some funnier moments where they, she could have used the F bomb, I think a little bit more, uh, to a, a funnier effect. Uh, I felt like some of the times they just used it just cause they can just yeah. to kind of, just to kind of prove that, yeah, this is R rated. This is edgy. We can, we can curse in this world and we're not scared to do that. And so I don't know. It, that was fine. I, and, and there's a lot of like rapid fire jokes in this one. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Um, some of them you can see from a mile away, but it was fun enough and the action is brutal enough. Um, holy shit, man. Yeah. And they, they really let the Joker off the leash like he is. Besides the Joaquin Phoenix, this is some of the most violent I've seen the Joker on screen. He is just relentless in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I, I will also give it a high taste. It and I. This is something that I'm going to continue to watch week from week. I like. It looks like I, I looked on like IMDb and they only have six episodes listed. But I've looked around other places. I guess it's going to be a 13 episode season. Hmm. Um, so I think we're going to get 13 episodes overall. So. And I know the creator just came out and said, uh, don't expect to see Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn become a couple this season. But he definitely teased it for season two. 
Okay. Yeah, that's something that was teased in the comic books, I believe. Yeah, they actually became a couple in the yeah. comic books for a little while. That's what I thought. I thought I remember reading about that. But, uh, yeah, I like it, man. I like it. It's nice to know that fucking DC Universe put something new on their service uh, other than a, a Titans episode, which I haven't watched the new Titans episode yet. I've been watching everything for this episode, so I haven't watched the season finale yet. Have you been sticking with Titans, Paul? Um, I got to see, I got to episode four of the new season and I really enjoyed it, but just, I just kind of fell off, not yeah. for like, because it was bad, but just cause there's so much shit going on sure. and new stuff to watch. But yeah, I'm excited to get back into it cause I was loving what I was seeing with the whole mystery of Jericho and oh yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into that episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a great season. I just got the I got the finale left, so I'll be watching that and I should have it watched by the by uh next episode. So yeah, Harley Quinn on DC Universe. I like the animation, I, I like the look of the character. I, I think Kaylee's doing a fantastic Kaylee Quacko, Quico, Quacky Quacky, <laughs> Kaylee Cocoa Kay, Puffs. Kaylee Quoco Puffs, Kaylee Quickie Mart, I don't know, Kaylee. Quickie Mart. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, just like I started like at six in the morning and I hear the first thing I hear is my fellow whites. <laughs> what the oh, my God. Fuck? I was like, I get they came out swinging with that shit. Dude, they really did. And then yeah. just the whole year of, you know, you fuck bats. And <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Um, I love Chris Maloney as Commissioner oh. James Gordon. Like you have never seen a more beat up james gordon in your entire life i love the fact like i loved it when like he's at the bat signal and he's just clicking it off and on (laughs) and then and then then batman shows up behind him you know how batman just sneaks up on you and commissioner gordon he just looks disheveled and he's like hasn't shaved he looks terrible he turns around and says i I wasn't playing with it He almost looks like he's on like speed or meth or something. He's just so high strung and just I'm out. I'm, I'm having a barbecue on Saturday, Batman. You know if you want to come. No, okay. It's, fuck. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more good pop, bad pop. Cool. going to be jumping into more good pop bad pop let's start it off with a discussion about the new movie that dropped on netflix i said dropped dropped on netflix, dropped on netflix. Dropped. it dropped on netflix scoot mcnary scoot mcnary dropped on netflix scoot mcnary did it <laughs> yeah there. the triple there. scoot has been achieved triple scoot <laughs> oh man oh man fucking uh, green clovers are falling from the skies it's <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah the irishman on uh, netflix frank the irishman sheeran is a man with a lot on his mind the former labor union high official and hitman 
learned to kill serving in Italy during the Second World War. He now looks back on his life and the hits that defined his mob career, maintaining connections with the Buffalino crime family, in particular the part he claims to have played in the disappearance of his lifelong friend Jimmy Hoffa, the former president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, who, mysteri- uh, who mysteriously vanished in late July 1975 at the age of 62. The Irishman is based on the 2004 book I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. This one's directed by Martin Scorsese. It stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. Uh, we've got uh, Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin, Stephen Graham, Stephanie Kurtzuba, Jesse Plemons, and Harvey Keitel are in supporting roles. I also want to point out that uh, Welker White who plays Joe Hoffa, uh, she was in Goodfellas. She played um, she played Lois in Goodfellas. She was the young girl at the end of the movie that kind of like lived with the family a little bit and took care of the kids and the family, and, and she used the house phone instead of using the pay phone, and Ray Liotta went off on her. Um, but uh, I want to talk to you guys about this. Uh, Paul, I kind of want to know, have you seen The Irishman? I have, yes. Three and a half, three, three hours, 29 minutes, three and a half hours. Ugh. What did you uh, What did you think, Paul? It did like it was nice being at home because I can pause it and you know take a break or whatever. But it didn't feel like a three and a half hour movie. I mean, I I'm a huge Martin Scorsese fan. I mean, my all time favorite is kind of sacrilege, but I love The Departed. And if anyone can tell a gangster story, it's Martin Scorsese. I mean, the guy is a master at these kind of movies. And for me, I'd almost It just has to be a Tupperware. Like, I was engaged the whole time. He knows how to, like, put the soundtrack in. He got this, like, you felt like you were in that time era. I mean, you know, there's people talking shit about Robert De Niro's eyes in the movie, but he's still Robert De Niro. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, Seeing him and Pacino back on screen and something that's not called Righteous Kill was fucking awesome. I I, I had a fun time. Like, I I was into it. The entire time, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the acting from everybody was great. Kind of wish I would have seen a little more Harvey Keitel because I love Harvey Keitel, but everything just fell into place. I mean, he's one of the best at what he does, and he kind of proved it here like it was a masterpiece. I mean, three and a half hours, but I was into it the entire time, and I just kind of let it kept playing through. And I don't know if you guys saw it at the end, but they actually had a like a 30-minute show after called The Conversation with the Irishman and they had Joe Pesci, Pacino, Scorsese, and De Niro just talking about making the movie for like 30 minutes. It was, if you enjoyed that, if you enjoyed the movie, I totally recommend watching that. But yeah, I, I, I definitely give it a Tupperware. It was just a powerhouse performance by everybody and Scorsese just doing what he does best, mob movies. Yeah, I think this is going to be, this is crazy because I already know Neil's thoughts because I, Neil, I, we weren't going to have you on this episode because of conflicting schedules and stuff, but we, we made things work. So I kind of like, when I thought you weren't coming on, we kind of talked about this. I know your thoughts on the movie, so I, I want you to jump into those thoughts right now. Okay. <clears throat> I have to preface this by saying a couple of things. One is that I've never been a big fan of mafia movies. That's never been, I can appreciate them like The Godfather and, and Good, Goodfellas and Casino, they're well-made movies. I can appreciate them for that. For that, I just don't care about the storylines. Um, and then I couldn't help but watch this 
without thinking of Martin Scorsese denigrating Marvel movies. Oh, God. Not the, cinema. I got it. Let me jump. <laughs> let me jump in here. The, the, I, I understand. And here's my I, I've never brought this up on the show. I've never posted a single Martin Scorsese uh, tweet mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, these all this all the media talking about him and his thoughts on these Marvel movies. Why? Because I think it's fucking i don't know what's worse just th- this just caring what an old 70 year old man <laughs> thinks about marvel movies or the people that get riled up by his his comments it's like he of course he's a filmmaker he's in his 70s i can't imagine martin scorsese sitting down and watching endgame and crying when iron man dies he doesn't <laughs> give a shit he doesn't view this as cinema. And so, and I'm also a little more, I'm, a, I'm more upset at the fact that the media, every time they sit in front of this guy now, is asking him, trying to get him to expound upon his thoughts about like why he doesn't like these Marvel movies. And then fans getting worked up over it. Who gives a flying fuck if Martin Scorsese doesn't like Thor Ragnarok? Who gives a fucking <laughs> shit? Why are we going to let this bother us? <laughs> Do not let this bother you. I don't give a flying fuck what Martin Scorsese <laughs> thinks about. And I can still love a Martin Scorsese film. It's just I don't even I, – I, I stopped. Like I've, I've read a few of the quotes. I've heard of a few of the quotes. I just don't go out looking for it. I just – you, uh, Neil, you you getting all in a tizzy over this sh- shit. It's, no, it's, it's not it's, that it's, I was in a tizzy. <laughs> it's just, it's, I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel that you were – is somewhat in in a, in a semi tizzy. <laughs> a semi. I got a semi tizzy. Okay. Yeah. Not a full Sonic. Uh, Not a full tizzy, Sonic, but a semi tizzy. No, it's just I don't appreciate it when people go like when artists go out of the way to denigrate other artists' work. It just bothers me. I, I think really I think the, he doesn't like it. I but. think the media went out of their way to yes, to pull his thoughts out, and they and they and they and they just they're just using it to pump that fucking the media oh, yeah. machine. And it's like they know what he's going to say about this kind of stuff, and like and then I, I'm more pissed off at guys like Josh Trank that feel like <laughs> they have to say something after the fact, like mm. just to fucking get people to like. You know, I appreciated <laughs> he I appreciated his like, uh, you know, his review on his own movie. He did the Fantastic Four movie <laughs> yeah. and recently he, he posted like his own review. I think it was like on IMDb or something or maybe Letterboxd or something where he posted his own review of his own movie. And that was kind of cute and funny. But like on the flip side, when he just tweets something about like and he recently tweeted something about like you know like the irishman's a real movie and like uh you know i stand by martin scorsese and all this i'm paraphrasing but it was basically like yeah these movies aren't as good as you think they are blah 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 martin scorsese's right but then he deletes the tweet i have more problems with that kind of shit than martin scorsese like this 70 year old man who feels (laughs) like he's making real cinema and of course he's not going to sit down. Him and fucking these guys, these old fucking directors that aren't like J.J. Abrams and shit, like the newer, new, new guy, newer guys, they're going to watch this stuff and they're just going to, they're going to be, they don't get it. You know, they don't care about it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Go, I'm sorry, Neil. I'm cutting you off. I just, I, I have, <laughs> no, I have, my, yeah, I have my own fucking thoughts on this whole, I, it's just, yeah. 
I feel like Twitter hears anything anybody says that they don't agree with. And it's and like, they blow uh, up. and they blow up. Uh, yeah. but this, oh my God, my grandpa doesn't like Avengers Endgame. <laughs> no, get over yeah, it. Let's pile on here. It's yeah. Get get the fuck over it. Let him. Who cares? You can still love that thing, and you can still you can still fucking love yeah. Casino, and you can still love Goodfellas. You can still love all this. You know, you can still love Wolf of Wall Street. All this stuff. You can still love it, but it, it's just because this guy doesn't like fucking Thor the Dark World. Like, who gives a shit? I didn't like Thor the Dark World either. There you go. You well, and yeah. my, you're, you're just as bad as Scorsese. <laughs> you're getting in a Scortizzy. And I mean, and I mean, like how many old school directors in the seventies when Mean Streets came out probably said the same thing about Scorsese's movies oh, totally. that they're not cinema. Yeah, like it's just yeah. it's yeah. just going to be a never ending cycle. I only say that to to kind of let people know that I that I had this in the back of my mind while I was watching the movie, um, uh, and it kind of colored the movie for me. Sure, I did think it was really well shot, really well scored. The performances were really really good. I and I thought the CGI was actually pretty impressive with, with the de aging, um, but it just felt like a rehash of his earlier of earlier movies and it didn't seem like it was doing anything new to push uh the genre forward or um make make some statement about something and it felt a little unnecessary and it felt like it was just a bunch of old white dudes doing shitty things which I don't particularly enjoy anymore. I mean, they were fine back in the day, but I don't think those are the kinds of movies that I'm interested in anymore. And it, it felt kind of like an Adam Sandler movie where he just gets all of his buddies together to have a great time shooting a movie, which is fine. I just don't think it's a ground piece, groundbreaking piece of cinema. I'll still taste it. And, but Give me an example of an older movie with older shitty white dudes doing shitty things that you like. Goodfellas. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but that's basically what we just saw again. I mean, yeah. it's I, I don't need – to see that again i'm in complete agreement with that this doesn't reinvent the the wheel here this is the the same formula that he's kind of worked with you know totally yeah i i feel like you know he kind of i think like you know movies like uh wolf of wall street and like you know you mentioned earlier paul the departed i think like that was some new stuff it felt like Mm -hmm. a little bit you know what i mean This, this really felt like you still had like that same like in the original goodfellas in, in in Goodfellas, you had uh, I said the original, like there was a <laughs> a version before that. Um, but in Goodfellas, you've got Ray Liotta doing the narration, right? And in this one, you've got the Irishman. You've got you know uh, De Niro as Frank Sheeran doing all the narration here, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just kind of like the same kind of like formula. It felt very safe. I, I I feel like the story itself is very interesting, you know. And you know, I think this is something that uh, maybe. People like I think my dad. This resonated a little bit more with him because like this was you know dealing with stuff that he kind of like remembers, um, you know, with Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that. And at the end of it, my dad was kind of like, "Yeah, I think I think this guy definitely had something to do with the disappearance of Jimmy <laughs> Hoffa." You know, that was a joke for a long time. Like you know, you know, mm-hmm. finding the body of Jimmy Hoffa. Like where where could it be buried? Um, but uh, I I think it was a cool story to to kind of tell. Um, I thought Joe Pesci, it was great seeing him again. Like this is his first thing that he's done in years. I haven't seen him. I think the last time he was involved in anything may have been as like a voice acting role on something, but, um, yeah. 
And I thought Ray Romano as the lawyer <laughs> lawyer was he was pretty good. Yeah. He's actually a pretty decent actor. Yeah, yeah. Anna Paquin, a lot of people been bitching about how she only had six lines in this movie. And I think like I think it really comes down to uh getting across that her character didn't have a relationship with her father after the disappearance de- the disappearance of uh of Jimmy Hoffa. I think that I feel like the lack of dialogue from Anna Paquin um is kind of like uh says a lot more than if she was talking the entire movie. I feel she like, said more with her face than she yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people are, you know, pissing and moaning about that that they didn't that Scorsese didn't give her enough, you know, of this or that or whatever. And and you know, it's not like the I, I feel like some of the other uh you know, female actors that were in this, the the woman that plays, you know, um uh Joe Hoffa and then uh um uh you know, there's a uh Buffalino's wife and then uh Sheeran's new wife. You know, they, they had moments in this movie. I just felt like for her character, she didn't need to say all that much. I think it got across a lot more that she was very quiet and very distant to her father her entire life, but even more so after the appearance of, uh, disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, who she adored and who adored her, you know, um, and, uh, but, uh, I overall like them. I'll give it a high taste and I think that it was just, um, I just don't think that he reinvented the wheel on this one. I feel like this was something that he just felt like he had to get made. Um, it's been something he's been wanting to work on for years. And the only company that wanted to do this that would put out the money for all the de-aging and all this stuff was Netflix. And did any of you see his previous movie that was just kind of like panned that nobody watched that uh, the, uh, Silence? With Andrew Garfield and... Um, is Adam Driver? Adam Driver. Yeah, Silence is the name of the film, I believe. Did either of you see... Well, this, I no. did. Was it any good? I, I enjoyed it. Really? I, thought, I mean... I'll have to watch like, it. There's really no talking, and Liam Neeson's in it for a little while, but it was... I also did a lot of background into Speaking like, that of people that shouldn't be doing a lot of talking, Liam Neeson's... <laughs> Probably right up there, right? With his thoughts on cold. Oh my God. Well, and I, I'll never forget. I was on an episode where you were so excited for cold pursuit and then Uh it came out and you're like, I'm not. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen cold pursuit and I'm not touching that movie. No, no, no. We should probably. So, and, and for me going into the Irishman, I wasn't expect, like I wanted like, I kind of wanted a cover of an oldie. You know what I mean? Like sometimes covers work on, on sure. old songs. Yeah. And this – like I wasn't expecting Scorsese to do anything new. Like I wanted him to kind of stick to the tried and true and I – that's why I just – I loved it. Like I loved the Goodfellas, Casino, Departed and it was just fun to see like almost like a master at his yeah. craft just kind of doing it with his uh, you know trusted uh, actors and – I thought, totally, but yeah, that silence is good. I thought that uh, Al Pacino did. It was nice to see Al Pacino not be so hey, Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I feel like you know, like after he played Big Boy Caprice in Dick Tracy, like all of his characters kind of like turned into <laughs> that. You know, yeah, it was crazy there for a while, and it, it felt like there was one moment in this movie where he got really loud, and I was like, "Oh, here we go!" But then he toned it back down, you know. So I was like, yeah. "It was." I thought it yeah. was a. I thought it was a solid performance by Al Pacino. Is this the first time Pacino and Scorsese have worked together? Uh, I don't think so. Right? Can't be. Can't be. 
<laughs> I don't know, though. We need that Jamie. Yeah, we need that Jamie. Where's my Jamie? Hey, I emailed about being Jamie. You're too good to be Jamie. <laughs> I don't think these Jamies really understand what I'm wanting out of them. They're not going to be like, you know what I mean? They're not going to be like, not like they're going to be, they're just there to serve that purpose. Right? They're, yeah. not, they're, they're not joining in on the banter. The first one that joins in on the banter that feels like, oh yeah, here's my time to shine. I'm going to start talking. Yeah. If it's not if it's not a question, I'm I'm hanging up on them. They're gone. <laughs> See ya. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I think this is the first movie he's been in that's been directed by Martin Scorsese. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'd have to look that up. I don't have them. I don't have them big balls like you there, Paul. I'm, I'm just on the mobile app IMDb right now. Paul's got them big balls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What are you rating this oh. one, uh, Neil? Uh, taste it. Taste. As I said, I thought there was a lot of good elements to it. It was a well-made movie. Mm-hmm. It just it, it didn't like get me. I, I, it's not my style, and it's it's just I don't know. I I I, I definitely felt the the three and a half hours. Uh, I was getting pretty antsy by the end of it, and I definitely did not watch the conversation afterwards. Yeah, I had, I had, I had, <laughs> it was it was feeling. good, but. It was kind of weird because Scorsese was like, he was like a character director. Like when he was talking about scenes, like like real life events, he was like, when it was about Jimmy Hoffa, he's like, he would talk to Al Pacino. He's like, yeah, do you remember when you did this? And Al Pacino was like, well, yeah, that's what Jimmy Hoffa did in real life. <laughs> like he was seeing them as their actual characters that they played in the movie. Mm. Maybe he's getting a little senile. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I recently watched all uh well no I started one of the episodes and haven't finished I'm three fourths the way through on uh, the movies that made us this is from the same people that oh made, yes the toys that made us who said oh yes me that was Neil were you watching I this? agree with it because I watched all four me too okay <laughs> I, I I I skipped I, I'm I've started it. But I skipped initially skipped the dirty dancing episode because like that I, was the most interesting one to me. I, it might be. It might be. Hold on. It might be. But I have <laughs> less experience with dirty dancing than I do with the other three movies that are in uh, this lineup. I uh, I've seen dirty dancing one time all the way through. I've listened to the soundtrack probably 500 gazillion times <laughs> why because i love the soundtrack to dirty dancing i think it is a fucking even the shitty fucking patrick swayze song where he's like the wind i still love that fucking shitty song she's like the wind dun, dun, dun. that's 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 patrick swayze people that's that's crazy swayze singing that fucking song i love <laughs> Dirty Dancing, the soundtrack. I've seen the movie one time all the way through. I've seen the clips many clips many times, but I've seen it all the way through one time. I am not a fan of Dirty Dancing. I just do not give a flying fuck about this movie. This movie is just not my thing at all. <laughs> so I skipped that one, and uh, the movies that made us is uh it's basically the toys that made us but this time with movies and uh in this first outing they had uh dirty dancing home alone 
Ghostbusters and Die Hard. And I watched uh, the Home Alone, Ghostbusters, and Die Hard episodes. I've started Dirty Dancing, and just because I don't like Dirty Dancing doesn't mean that I won't like the making of Dirty Dancing. So don't get me wrong. I am going to watch it, Paul. And it, <laughs> at the end of the day, it very well could be the most interesting of the four. But Oh, you got to head on. I know. I will watch it. I will watch it. But I did watch the other three. So you guys both watched, uh, completed this? Yep. Yep. What did you think about, uh, Paul, what did you think about uh, the movies that made us? I love this series. It's just like the toys that made us. And because of your reasons, I have I had the most little exposure to Dirty Dance. Like I knew the least about Dirty Dancing, so I was really intrigued watching that and to find out it was made pretty much by a direct to video porn company. <laughs> and and it like I think Neil will agree with what you're saying about the soundtrack. Oh yeah. The shit they go through to get those songs is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's and a really get, like, big part of the episode is talking yeah. about the music. Huh. And, like, one thing that, like, is relevant in all four episodes is it's real, like, it, it really tugged at my heartstrings because, I mean, they talk about the loss of someone in every episode. Mm-hmm. And um, in The Dirty Dancing, they really hit on how much the loss of Patrick Swayze affected everybody, how John Hughes affected everyone, Harold yeah. Ramis mm-hmm. affected everyone. I think I teared up every single episode. Yeah. It was it was really well done um, overall, and I, I, again, like both of you, I have the least experience and least exposure to Dirty Dancing. But and on I, the flip I did side, find the most compelling episode. On the fl- on the flip side, you have <laughs> you have videotaped yourself doing some Dirty Dancing from what we heard earlier. Is that correct? <laughs> Horizontally, yeah. Neil had the time of his life. The horizontal, <laughs> the horizontal mambo. <laughs> Oh my god! It, it, I mean, come on! You you literally have like behind the scenes video of Patrick Swayze calling Jennifer Grey a bitch, making yes. nuts. He's wow! Like, come on, you bitch! Like, what the fuck? Oh my god! I gotta watch this. They yeah. fucking hated each other, That's man. That's crazy. It was awesome. Yeah, it started with Red Dawn, and then they just kind of kept going. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and like it, it's crazy because I've seen it a couple times, and one of the most like you know like like a lot of it is actually all real. Like the whole part where he's touching her and she's laughing, that's him actually getting pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> he's about to, what, what, and, and, and what is it, Neil? She wanted like a whole cheese tray or something. Yeah, <laughs> she wanted a cheese platter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like it was just a whole, I mean, in all four of these movies, like, when you watch them now, you're like, oh, man, like it must have been so easy to get this made. It, you know, it works so well in all four movies. It's like especially Home Alone uh, um, with the whole fiasco with Warner Brothers and Fox and the guy literally following oh. the Warner Brothers. Guy. <laughs> oh, my God. I was laughing out loud at that. That was so funny. It was. Yeah. Like they Home Alone was almost not made. And it was like. Warner Brothers could not agree on the budget. They were $1.2 million off. And Warner Brothers said they stopped production. And they had a Warner Brothers executive walking into the different departments and telling them that you've been at shut down school. at a high school. And like they knew that there was this back deal in place with Fox. And so immediately somebody else involved in the production was walking right back into those rooms and telling them, 
not just to continue and do what they're doing. There was like not one day of production that stopped them. This, this, that was, I thought that that was an incredible, um, incredible docu, like, uh, episode because it was, um, they had interviews with uh, Chris Columbus, which I thought was great. Daniel Stern was doing interviews, um, <laughs> and they talked. They they didn't get Macaulay Culkin, but they did talk about him before. You know, he made it big on Home Alone. I remember. I do Uncle remember. Buck. And Uncle Buck, yeah, and like, yeah. But I remember like this movie came out when I was twelve, and I remember like he was the biggest star in the fucking world. For that short time there. It mm-hmm. was Macaulay Culkin was huge. He was so big that he fucking had his own episode of Saturday Night Live where he was the host of Saturday Night Live. He hosted Saturday Night Live. Like he went on to be Richie Rich and do it. He did, uh, you know, uh, like my, what was that movie? Like My Day with Dad or whatever, that Ted Danson film. He did like all this. <laughs> getting fu- even with Dad. Getting yeah. even with Dad. Like he did all this. Oh my God. He had so many fucking, he was huge. There. Oh, and then the the good son with Elijah oh, yeah. Wood. That was that's still a good movie. That's a great movie. But man, this fucking Home Alone was huge, and it was made on a like a fourteen million dollar budget, and it made oh my god over all the money two hundred and sixty <laughs> million dollars, I think, at the time, which was huge. And yeah. John Candy got paid less than the pizza delivery guy. Oh my god, I couldn't believe that he got paid scale, actor scale for that. Because he was doing a favor to John Hughes. And it was a 23 hour day. <laughs> oh my god. I cannot, I cannot imagine doing a shoot that long. That, that's a long day. I thought the Ghostbusters episode was really good too. How, you know, how, mm-hmm. again, how that movie almost didn't happen, how they were, Dealing with where's Bill? Yeah, where's Bill? They get into the theme song from Ray Park. Is it Ray Park? Ray Ray Parker. Ray Parker Jr. Thank you. I was I Ray Park is the Star Wars guy. Um (laughs) that's Darth Maul. Uh and how they only had ten months to make this movie and then complete all the special effects and and uh great great interviews with Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, and Ivan Reitman. And now the movie was going to be either called Ghost Breakers or <laughs> Ghostbusters. Somebody had the rights to Ghostbusters and like that was something that they had to figure out throughout that process. And then Die Hard was just great. I thought Die Hard was really good. That episode was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Alan Rickman and the whole his face. Oh, I've always like yeah. The fear of him when he's falling, like that was like the first time we'd ever seen a shot like that. We've seen people fall from buildings, but like when he dies at the end of that movie and falls from that building, the look on his face. I remember talking about that scene as a kid, like, like, oh, my God, they slow it down and you're looking at him fall and he's still holding the gun. And, <laughs> you know, like the look of fear on his face and they really get into that scene and what that scene. Yeah. And how, what it was like. <laughs> and like, I had no idea about that helicopter scene. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but, and I, you know, let's not, t- let's not spoil this, but the whole helicopter scene when they blow up mm-hmm. the, the, yep. the top of Nakatomi Plaza, like I had, Pretty impressive. N- I was blown away by that. Yeah. Oh well, my God. I was also blown away. Like Die Hard is the first R-rated movie I ever saw, and to find out one of my favorite movie badasses started off in the Russian ballet. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a mind blower for yeah. me. I was like, holy shit! But 
And just the whole concept of like nobody accepting Bruce Willis as a leading I man. I remember until- that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I'm old enough to understand that. I remember watching Moonlighting with my parents. And I remember <laughs> watching the energy of Bruce Willis on that show, his comedic performance on that show. And women did go crazy for Bruce Willis. My mom would watch Moonlighting every week. She thought Bruce Willis was so funny. Um, and we, my, my parents were watching Moonlighting every week. And Bruce Bruce Willis was a comedic actor back then. He was so funny on that show. I remember watching him on that show as a child and just being like, this guy's funny. And then I do remember like the reactions that people had of Bruce Willis as an action star. And it was ludicrous. This was like almost kind of like uh, we dealt with this a year later with uh, Michael Keaton Michael as Keaton. Batman. So like, like again, I think like, that's one of the reasons maybe this kind of paved the way for Michael Keaton to be Batman. Maybe that's why that worked. Totally. Um, but, uh, yeah, back in the day, Bruce Willis was not looked at as like a tough guy. So he was kind of just a, a, a comedy guy. And, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of like, uh, when I was a kid, I was like, this is not the action star I'm used to. This is not, I'm, I was used to watching Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Like these guys, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. with huge rippling biceps, and uh, you know, you've got a guy who just looks like a regular guy here, and uh, just the way that they kept working and tweaking that script um, was <laughs> two just two days ahead. Of yeah, as <laughs> <laughs> they're shooting, I know. But man, it, that movie is—it's still fucking amazing to this day. I will watch Die Hard. Um, Fuck yeah! Every year, anytime I'll, it's on, anytime it's on, and I will probably. Watch it uh, before Christmas this year. It's a great, oh, yeah. it's a great Christmas movie. It's a fantastic Christmas movie. Yeah. Also, like I was blown away by just like the longevity. All the like all four movies had. I remember every episode. They're like, yeah, it was number one in the box office for like fourteen weeks in a row. I was like, right. holy shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't even think that can happen anymore. Oh yeah, it's so hard anymore. Yeah, like yeah, you just don't. So many have movies that. are coming out every week that right. it's hard to hang on. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, like back, back back then, it was just like if you got like one of these huge blockbusters, they just had so much longevity. It's like you could you could go back and watch Batman. Like, oh man, I here's the thing, people: if you like shows like The Toys That Made Us and um, the movies that made us, go onto Netflix now and give them the thumb up rating because there's a chance we might not get a season four season four of The Toys That Made Us. Like the oh yeah, the creators are saying like if you want it you got to watch it and you got to be vocal about it and you've got and, and definitely give them the thumbs up on Netflix. So get on Netflix, make a note on your phone right now if you're not by your fucking uh TV, but give it just give it the take just give it the thumbs up rating. Like if if they see those thumbs up ra- uh, up ratings, they'll know that people are watching this kind of stuff and that and that uh and that we want to get more of it because there's a lot more toy stories to be told it sounds like. So you know, this is stuff that we want to get. I, I don't want these shows to go away. I, this is, these are things that like, there's, I mean, there's certain shows that are kind of like my comfort food. Like, it's just nice mm-hmm. knowing that I would be able to watch an episode of the toys that made us or a new episode of nailed it. Like for me, mm-hmm. I took, I took the soup for granted on E for oh. years. It's not, I didn't take it for granted. I guess I did because I would watch it every week, but I just expected it to be there because it's the soup. And it's like, that's not the case. Like it went away and then like Netflix brought it back in one form or another with the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. 
And I was just like, okay, we got two seasons of this. It, it, people are just going to, we're just going to keep getting it. It's not going to go away. And it went away. It went away. It got canceled. Yeah, I'm bummed about that. Me too, dude. Like it fucking, it hurt me to my core when it got canceled on E and then it like devastated me when Netflix took it away. So like, we've got to let them know that we love these shows and we want more of this shit. Okay. So give it the thumbs up rating. It takes, doesn't take any time at all to look it up and give it the thumbs up rating and just, you know, just at least at the end of the day, you'll know that you've done your part. Get on IMDb. Give it a 10 rating. Like give these shows these – they look at that kind of stuff, guys. If you love a show and even if you don't feel it's worthy of a 10, if you want it to come back, give it the 10. Don't be one of these people like, I'm only going to give it a 7 because I don't – Fuck <laughs> off. If you like the show enough to have it come back, give it the 10. I never give anything anything but a 10. And I know some people are going to be snooty with that kind of shit, but I'm not going to give any – if I don't like a show, I just don't rate it. I think that's even mm-hmm. worse than just giving it a one. I don't I don't rate – I've never rated anything a one on IMDb. So uh, just give it a, a 10 or bust. If you want a show to come back in any form, give it a 10. I'm sorry. I Every once in a while, every six months to a year, I got to give this speech. I got to get on my fucking soapbox <laughs> and give this speech, Neil. <laughs> well, especially – Last time you did it was when I was on last – Probably. <laughs> Neil's like, Jesus Christ, Brian, I know the drill. <laughs> Every time I'm on. Every- <laughs> oh, what are you trying to say about me, Brian? <laughs> oh, Neil, I, I, all I'm saying is like, have you given us an iTunes review? I know you have. I know you have. Um, and especially yes, now because they teased a possible Toys That Made Us episode within the Ghostbusters movies that oh, made us I, episode. Exactly. That exactly. I was just clamoring for. And now this, yeah, definitely give it a 10. I want to see, I want to see like, you know, the movies that made us, I want to see more of this too. I don't want that to go away. Mm -hmm. So let's like, let's jump on that guys. Let's start watching the series. Let's start giving it the thumbs up now. So you guys are top of wearing this. I'm top of wearing it. Oh yeah. Oh, total top of wearing it. It's so good. It's so good. I can't wait. I can't wait till you watch. You got to tell us what you thought of the Dirty Dancing episode because some of that shit, I was like, oh. Yeah, I was completely blown away by that. Yeah. I'm just like five minutes into it, but I will, uh, Maybe it's good that I saved possibly the best for last then. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first one I watched because it was the first one on, on the list. You know, yeah, I was, same. I, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go straight to, <laughs> I'm going to go straight to Home Alone. Uh, so I did. Um, I went and saw Queen and Slim out now in theaters. Uh, this is a romantic nice. drama film directed by Melina Matsukas. Uh, this is her feature directorial debut. It's written by Lena Waithe. I'm a big fan of Lena Waithe. So um, good. Uh, Lena Waithe is uh, also an actor. She was in Ready Player One, but she's also the showrunner for uh, Showtime's The Shy, which in my opinion is a phenomenal series. If you're not watching The Shy on Showtime, you should be watching The Shy on Showtime. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, it is really good. And like I posted on, uh, it was so cool. I posted on Twitter that, you know, I'm, I'm, it was Thanksgiving and I was like, I'm watching Queen Slim in the theater and, um, uh, you know, I'll talk about it next podcast. And Lena Waithe liked, she hearted the tweet and I was just like, I saw that. Yeah. I was just like. Fucking A, Lena, I love you. You're fucking awesome. You're so cool. I also want to say this, that um, uh, shame on you, white people. I was the only white person in the fucking showing that morning. Wow. Yeah. It's like, I know. It's like, every. I think, I think, uh, I think everybody else was in like, you know, Knives Out and, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. But it was like, you know, I was, 
Yeah, I was the only white person in that showing. <laughs> and I was just like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? I hope this movie's going to do good in the box office. Sounds like it's doing really good in the box office. I'll talk about that later. But this movie stars Daniel Kaluuya. Um, loved him. Uh, he, was in a black, he was in a Black Mirror episode. And he was in... Uh, mm-hmm. and he was Bicycle in, riding one. Yeah, and he, yeah, I think that was like the second or third episode of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. And was then, it Five Million Merits? Yeah. And then he, of course, in Get Out, which I think we all yeah. have seen and loved. Um, and Black Panther, too. Uh, Black Panther, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and this also stars uh, Jodie Turner-Smith. Uh, we got appearances here by Chloe Sevigny uh, from Bloodline. And, oh, God, she's been she's been in so much. St- she was on Lean on Kids. P- Kids, Lean on Pete, which is a movie that I – a 24 movie that came out a couple years ago that I that I like. Flea is in this movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I love Flea. I love Flea. Oh, my God. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. <laughs> Oh, there's a scene you got to watch. The, my favorite scene in Back to the Future is when he's talking to uh, older Marty McFly <laughs> and over the phone, and it's about uh, their boss, the Jits, and he goes, "The Jits will never find out." You got watch that. I love <laughs> me and my friend, me, me and my, me and my, <laughs> me and my friend rewound that fucking scene, that one scene a million times because of his hand motion and the way he says it just do not line up. It is so weird. <laughs> you got to watch it. <laughs> the the Jits will never find out. Um, this movie also stars Bokeem Woodbine. I'm a huge fan of mm. Bokeem Woodbine. I've loved him since his, uh, the second season of Fargo. Um, anytime, oh. yeah, anytime Bokeem Woodbine shows up in anything, whether it's fucking just him as the original shocker, two in the pink, one in the stink, <laughs> and Spider-Man Far From Home, or <laughs> Jason's <laughs> lyric, deep cut, or him just showing up in, uh, you know, uh, Overlord for like five seconds. Like, I love Bakeem Woodbine. I think this guy's fucking great. Uh, India Moore is in this. Uh, Queen and Slim is described as a modern day take on the legend of Bonnie and Clyde. The plot follows two African Americans who must go on the run after killing a police officer during a traffic stop gone wrong. I'm gonna get to the movie. I'm gonna talk about that here in just a moment. But if there were two shows, competing against each other and both of them had the title of queen and slim which one would you want to see though would you want to see queen and slim that's a comedy it's a uh, sitcom and it stars queen latifah and slim shady eminem and they're (laughs) they're roommates and it's wackiness ensues it's kind of like the odd couple and you know they don't get along, and like who knows? You know, I mean, she's the cl- she's the clean one, he's the messy one. Or would you want to see uh, Queen and Slim, where it's uh, a woman who's playing uh, Queen Elizabeth from? No, no, not going there. Hold on, just playing. I don't know. Queen, yeah, yeah, the Queen of England, the Queen of England, and Slim would be. Snap macho into, man, macho man, sl- snap into yeah, a slim gym, yeah. Randy, Randy, macho man, savage. And, but it's, it's not, a, it's not a sitcom. This one is going to be uh kind of like a murder. She wrote type of murder, like, a, <laughs> like, uh, they're detectives. Macho man all day, every day. <laughs> macho man. Queen Elizabeth, the detectives. Yes. Ma- uh, yeah. yeah like, one right now. Like, Oh yeah. I think the <laughs> butler did it. Yeah. And like every, yeah, whenever he's like, right when she's like, yeah, it was him. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, the cream rising to the top, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the cream of the crop. Oh, man. Yeah, which, <laughs> hey, which, one, which one would you want to see? Would you want to see the Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah, Eminem, Slim Shady, or the the sitcom, or the the murder mystery of Queen Elizabeth and uh, and fucking Randy Macho Man snap into his Slim Jim Savage. Well, is Macho Man wearing his pro wrestling gear throughout the show? He is, but that he one. also has a monocle over his. No, no, he's holding. He's no, he's he's got the same kind of like cowboy hat, but it looks like Sherlock Holmes's hat too. Like the yes. same. Oh, does he have the cape too? And he's got like a magnifying glass that he carries, and a cape, and he's got a cape. Absolutely. Yep, give me that one right now. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that one. Yeah, I kind of like that one myself. Anyway, Queen of Slim. Queen and Slim, this movie, yeah, um, this, uh, this is one of these movies that I, ever since I thought, saw the first trailer, maybe, I, I don't know, three months ago or so, I've really been looking forward to this one and, uh, could not wait to see this one in theaters. And so I actually wanted to see it Wednesday, but I couldn't make it out to the theater that day. So I saw it early in the morning, uh, on, uh, on Thanksgiving and, um, you've got, You've got a couple here. They're going on their on the, basically their first date, and uh, it's through Tinder, and they get together and they start to talk. It's not a great date. It's really not a great date. She just kind of doesn't want to be alone that night. She's got things going on, and uh, he he sees her as uh, just a very pretty woman that you know he wants to get to kind of know more and maybe get a little bit of action from that night. You never know. That's what you know. That's why a lot of people have turned to Tinder, and so but um, they they don't have the best conversation. She doesn't like how loud he is when he eats and the date's kind of like over and she just wants him to drop her off at home. Um, on the way home, there's uh, a moment where she's, you know, looking in his phone and like someone looking in your phone, that's like a very personal thing. And so like later on, you know, he lets her look for a little while, but after a while, he just kind of like reaches over and grabs the phone. As he does that, he swerves and a cop sees him. Says that uh, he failed to signal and saw him swerving and thinks that it's a possible DUI situation. DUI, uh, DUI situation going on here. Um, this cop is a huge piece of shit, um, and uh, it turns violent very quickly. And uh, there's a moment where, and it's it's in the trailer, but um, he goes to shoot her, and uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character. Uh, jumps at the officer takes him down they get into a scuffle and he ends up shooting the police officer dead right there in the street they end up running away together and then become like this modern day take on the legend of bonnie and clyde and uh they're constantly on the run um they become kind of like this symbol to black people who've been victims of you know police brutality or know people who have been victims of police brutality or or they're just sick of seeing other black people being harassed or and and beaten by by racist police officers. And first off, like I'm not saying that that all officers are like this, but this is the way that this movie portrays portrays this one officer in particular. And that's that's what we're dealing with. This is a real thing. Um, unfortunately, that there are racist police officers within our police forces today, and you know that's something that uh, that we need to that we, we need to work on. And and this is a it's it. it really has a strong message this movie because like this is a guy that just was like you know had, 
doesn't drink, doesn't do anything. You know, that's, that he wasn't, he wasn't drinking and driving, wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, just two people. She's, she's a lawyer for crying out loud. She has, uh, she has a law degree, you know, very, very well educated. And, and, um, uh, and so, like, it, it, he's kind of like, uh, fucking, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is kind of like out, out of his league. She's kind of like out of his league, in my opinion, in this movie. He's, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's a really cool guy, but like, she's, uh, you know, you know, she's a lawyer and all this stuff. And throughout this movie, they're just constantly on the run and uh, moving around and trying to get away. And they're trying to actually just get out of the country because they know what's going to happen. They know, like, they, you know, he shot a cop dead. Mm-hmm. He, he knows it's it what that means. And um, I, throughout this movie, I was just like, it didn't matter that there was like, it didn't matter if there was like a ton of action or not. It, it's just at the end of the movie, I think like all this buildup throughout this two hour movie, all the buildup at the end, like within the final 15 minutes of this movie, it just grabs you. So mm-hmm. it, it all works out to where you're, you're, you're emotionally kind of spent at the end of this movie. Like, Oh my God. I'm um, definitely not looking for a spoiler, but I hear there's a killer twist to it. I yeah, just watch yeah, just watch this okay. watch this film. It's uh it's it's fantastic. I think this is fantastic. I think more people need to like if you've seen if you've already gone out and seen Knives Out or whatever, or even if you haven't seen Knives, just watch this one. This is fantastic. This is a really good movie. It's a great movie to see out in the theaters. Uh, Queen and Slim. I was happy that I did. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I loved it. I this is one I'll definitely be watching again. I was very impressed with Daniel Kaluuya throughout this movie. Um, this new actor, Jodie Turner Smith, I thought she was fantastic, and uh, just just the supporting cast in general, I thought was uh, was really good. And I think it's got an incredible message here. I, there's a couple parts in this movie that I I felt like there's like this whole. Um, I understand that like they're they're a symbol to black people and they've got like this whole but there's this whole parade scene which kind of like escalates and something happens and I was like wow that's that's kind of crazy I don't know if that should have been included in this movie but I'm guess if you're trying to make a statement and make a strong statement I just felt like it just didn't I don't know with everything else kind of like ringing kind of like true it's like this could really happen this is like the one thing where I was just like, it, it felt a little forced, but overall, I really love this movie, so I'll give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. So Queen, nice. Queen, and awesome, yeah, check it out, everybody. I uh, was uh, planning on going to see it yesterday, uh-huh. but then I just didn't get out of bed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, Neil hit that record button. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I'm gonna make my own movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna snap into this vagina. Oh from yeah, the, from the same company that brought you Dirty Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta watch this fucking documentary. What the hell, man? Uh, uh, hey, Paul. Yeah, let's talk about servant. 
Oh, let's talk about it. Holy shit. Hey, Neil, did you get it? I know the first two episodes, I believe they're free. Did you get a chance to check out Sermon on? Uh, I did not. That's fine, man. We'll talk about it. Me and Paul will talk about it. Uh, Servant on Apple TV Plus. This has been a series that I've been looking forward to for about, a, I'd say about a month and a half since I first heard about the announcement about this one. It's uh, a new Apple TV Plus original series from executive producer M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, we will try to stay as spoiler-free as possible, but if we do spoil something, we will give you a proper spoiler warning to skip ahead. I, I Paul, I feel like I might dive into a couple spoilers on this one, man. I don't know. It's almost you almost can't. Like I mean, you it's, it's hard not to, right? Yeah, I, I might I might dive into some spoilers on this one because I I feel like we've got a we've got a new service here. Not everybody's jumping on this Apple TV Plus. And I feel like, uh, number one, just to kind of talk about this, I got to spoil it a little bit. And maybe just to kind of like wet people's palates on like what this show is, I got to spoil a little bit. Maybe that'll entice people to check out at least the first two free episodes of this, man. Cause I, I totally agree because yeah. the marketing kind of gives you it like, just based on the marketing, what you get is a little bit different than what they presented to you. Right. Yeah, this is a half-hour psychological thriller. It follows a Philadelphia couple in mourning after an unspeakable tragedy creates a rift in their marriage and opens the door for a mysterious force to enter their home. The tragedy is that their baby of 13 weeks died of a uh, of health complications. Uh, we don't know how exactly the baby died. Uh, the baby is named Jericho, uh, but parents Dorothy and Sean Turner have hired a young nanny na- uh, named Leanne to help care for their newborn child. As time goes on, it becomes clear that things are not quite as they seem. So we find out that the baby that she's looking after isn't really a baby. It's a human-like doll. Mm-hmm. The baby gets – the husband gets the doll for his wife, Dorothy, because he thinks – it's going to help her in – she's kind of like uh, – She's teetering. Yeah, she's, she there, there's teetering. a moment where she kind of like snapped and she's like – she – her brain is just not – she won't accept the fact that, that the baby is dead. And so there's, there's this – there's a couple moments within this series where you just see her – pause and freeze and you don't know oh. if like she's going to snap out of it at that moment or, or or what's going on in those moments but but um it's kind of like we we know that uh I, you know we've all heard stories like if you've watched unsolved mysteries and things like that about people's mind people who have had something so devastating happen to them that they totally black out the memory it's blocked out of their memory and this is like one of those cases where like I feel like the 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 mother has lost her baby and her brain just won't process that and has blocked it out completely. And yeah, she's in deep grief. Deep grief. And so um this one stars Toby Kebbell. Toby Kebbell was uh he played uh the villain ape in uh the Planet of the Apes movie by uh Matt Reeves. He was also Doctor Doom, Victor mm-hmm. Von Doom in the Fantastic Four that Josh Trank made. Uh, he plays Sean Turner, the husband to Dorothy. Uh, Lauren Ambrose plays Dorothy. Uh, Nell Tiger Free is Leanne Grayson. She was, uh, I always like my, uh, Nell's Tiger Free. Are you guys fans of Tiger Free Nell's? <laughs> 
I'm always, you know, tiger. I always go tiger free when it comes to my Nell actors. Do you remember that movie? What was that movie? Was that movie Nell? Was that uh, was that Jodie Foster? Foster? Jodie Foster, where she had that fucking. She lived out in the woods, and she had that made up language, and she would just go chickabay. Ch-, you know, remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember? <laughs> what I'm Liam Neeson on that one. When she was, was it, was Liam Neeson? I don't remember. I saw this movie back in like the nineties. All I remember is like <laughs> she's like this mountain woman that like. Like was raised by, by I don't wolves know, by something. wolves or some shit, <laughs> and she fucking uh, made up her own language and chickabay, dubay, chickabay. I just <laughs> I want to see a movie of her and like Sling Blade hanging out, you know. <laughs> Fresh fried taters, mm-hmm. chickabay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nell Tiger Free, she was also in that uh, uh that 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 series this year that came out um oh god, too old to die young, uh the Nicholas Winding Refn show. She mm-hmm. was in that. I, I I thought she was great in that. That was a, a weird fucking show that a lot of people did not like. I absolutely loved it. I'm a huge fan of Nicholas Winding Refn though. I fucking loved it. It was slow, it was weird and I I fucking loved it. Um, but Nell Tiger Free is in this. She plays Leanne, the young nanny from Wisconsin that uh, was hired by the Turners here. Rupert Grint. Fucking bumfuck Wisconsin is how bum, they quote it. Yeah. I took, bum, I took bum. complete. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Rupert they Grint. got it right, though. Rupert Grint plays Julian Pierce. It's Dorothy's brother and Sean's brother-in-law. Rupert Grint, of course, played, uh, what's his name? The The Weasley kid, Ron Weasley. In the Harry Potter movies, this is his first American role, so he's for the first time using an American accent uh, in this one. But uh, Paul, what'd you think about Servant? Uh, have you? Wa- I watched the first three episodes. <clears throat> I watched. I, I watched all three that were available. Yeah. yeah, so did I. What did you think about <clears throat> Servant, man? Man, dude, like first off, um, it keeps you off kilter. Like the camera work in this is insane. The way they get like the close-ups with, of the faces, right? Holy shit. They're getting like an eyebrow and like an ear when they're talking. Like what the, like it just keeps you, it keeps you so off kilter and, and the score and everything. And, you know, like from seeing like, <clears throat> I got the Hulu package with Disney plus and that's all they've been advertising is, uh, this, uh, servant show. So they're telling you, like, this is what it is, and by the end of the first episode, it's not. And I was like, what the fuck? I just had to keep – I had to keep watching. I just – everything yeah. they did, especially with the splinters he's getting and uh, oh, God. the eels, I was like, whoa. Like, it, I'm going to Tupperware it. I know it's only three episodes in, but, like, as soon as that third episode ended, I wish I had the DeLorean to finish the rest of the season. Because I have to know what's going to happen. There's so many storylines, and what? What? There's only like, I think there's only been four or five actors in the show so far, and we're in season three, or we're in episode three. Yeah, yeah. And the way they're just playing it off, like with Toby and um, the private investigator, I think that's all. All the only characters we've been introduced to. Yeah, there's this. There's this weird. There's this weird. Okay, there's this weird element of like mental trauma with the mother 
but and, and I'm I'm probably going to be jumping into spoiler territory here in a moment. I will give you this. Can we just drop the spoiler well, warning? Because I, w- I got I got questions. Yeah, I, I want to keep everybody with us until I get there. Okay, sorry. There's this weird element of not weird, but there's this element of like a of of, of mental trauma with this mother who lost her 13 week year old baby, which is terrible for any woman to go through, and. But then this family, they the the they hire this woman, this girl, young girl, Leanne, to take care of the baby. Now, when she gets there, she starts taking care of this baby, this doll, and even with the mother out of the house, she's taking care of this baby doll as if it's real, taking the baby on walks, and and the father. She's committing. Is telling her, like, you don't have to do that. She's not here now. And it's like, it's, it's like it's not registering with her. And she's still talking to this baby and taking it on walks, this baby doll. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? She's very shy. She's very socially awkward. I know she comes from this bumfuck place in, in Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin. And it's just <laughs> weird to watch her. Well, yeah, and the dad is, like, smashing this doll into, like, the crib and just throwing it on the ground, and she's, like, ready to fucking kill him over it. Well, she's looking at him like, yeah, it's 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 very odd. And then there's this – now I'm going to jump into some spoilers, people. So if you don't want to know any spoilers for Servant, if you have – any kind of uh, inkling of uh, of your being that wants you to watch this show, then you might want to skip ahead. Um, but first off, by the end of the first episode, this baby doll, by the end of the episode, you go to the crib, you visit the crib, and there's a real baby crying in the crib. Right, Paul? Yeah, and I thought the dad was just like I thought the dad was having some PTSD of himself. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as the second episode started, that's not the case. Like it's a real fucking baby. Yeah. Um, what's going on? Not only with that, but what's going on with the fact that we've got this girl Leanne in the house now, and she's got this weird kind of like Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Fucking these little. Uh, She's making these uh, crucifixes. Corn husk dolls corn or husk. something. Yeah, it's like a corn husk crucifix looking, like, cross. Yeah, and then, like, this is really jumping into it, but, like, when they go to the fire at her house in bumfuck Wisconsin, like, yeah. everything is burned except for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, her house, they went to her house in, in, in Wisconsin to find out more about her with this private investigator, Neil, and the house is mm-hmm. burnt. Mostly in the inside, it's burnt, except for like this, <clears throat> this, this fucking like crucifix that's made from like a corn husk. And then you find out that they visit the cemetery and everyone in that family is dead. So they're assuming that she's sure. taken the identity of this girl that died in 2002. Like, is that the case though? Or is this this girl as a supernatural kind of like being come back? for some reason as their nanny. It's like, that's one of the things that we're going to find out within this show. And, you know, it's, and then there's the whole thing of like, why this guy is a chef. He's a kind of like a famous chef that does videos and, and things like that. The, the father here. And now he's lost his 
sense of taste. Well, it's because like all this happened at like like he totally found this crucifix doll and he put it in the garbage disposal. And Neil, after he does this, like he starts getting like weird like slivers on his like anytime he bumps into something, he gets like a sliver. Hmm. And yeah. it's so fucking weird. And he's pulling like, out like like uh, like if you oh. have um, you know. Um, yeah, he's pulling like these slivers out of his skin, like in his foot. These uh, his mouth. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, in his mouth. That huge one that he pulled out of his mouth. It's Fuck. like yeah, it's like when you get like um, you when you bump up against wood and you have like a what do they call it? I can't even think of the word. I'm fucking drunk. Splinter. Splinter. Thank you. Like wood splinter, like a wood splinter that you pull out of your. But these are these are not just like your average wood splinter. Like these are fucking. It's like a stick. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. This show is, I am so in on this one. I am so fucking in on this one. Like, it's already been renewed for a second season. And, thank God. Um, basically, like, they talked to M. Night Shyamalan. Well, here's the thing. I was like, how can you keep this going? How can you keep this going for another season and season after season? Because, like, they interviewed, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, a few, and he's not the showrunner, but he directed the first episode. He's an executive producer. They interviewed him weeks ago, and he said, like, he sees this going 60 episodes, so 10 episodes per season. Whoa. And they, yeah, they, they talked, Screen Rant interviewed showrunner Tony Bazgallop for the first season, and I won't get into the whole interview, but the Screen Rant asked him, they said, it sounds like you guys have a long-term plan for the story. So by the end of the first season, how many of the pieces of what happened to Jericho and who Leanne is have we uncovered by the end of the first season? And the show, showrunner, Tony Bazgallop, said, you're going to know quite a lot. You're going to know what happened to Jericho, and you're going to start to understand who Leanne is and where she's from. But going forward, there's so much more. Nothing is entirely mm-hmm. resolved here. Grief is something that lasts forever, and nothing comes easy. If you want to rebuild your life, if you want to get that second chance, if it truly exists, these characters are going to have to work a lot harder than they did in season one. I think season one just shows there's a possibility for you to resolve your big issue. Hopefully we'll have another five seasons to show you exactly how. So Tony Bazgallop, the showrunner here, is basically uh, kind of reiterating the fact that, yeah, they're wanting this to go a, a total of six seasons, that they're saying that this could go six seasons on Apple TV if it continues. I think that this is definitely three episodes in. I think this is definitely worth a watch. Like whether overall, if they're going to like, and me and Jake even talked about this and on Facebook messenger, I said, are they going to Dexter this up? Like, are they going to, are they going to have this series run a little too long than it should? And, uh, we, we don't know if it should go six seasons, but as of right now, three episodes in, I say that this is a, I I think this is a good show. <laughs> I'm watching it, Paul. I'm I'm digging yeah. it. It's weird. I, yeah. I do have a couple questions. Okay. Do you think that's actually the do you think that's the nanny's baby? Or do you think that's actually Jericho? I if it was Jericho, the dad would say, like, that looks like my yeah. boy. That's my boy. Like you would know your fucking son, oh, right? Uh, oh like after thirteen weeks for sure. And like I feel like the dad is in more denial than the mom is. Like, I can't wait until the episode because we've gotten some teases of the mom being right at the brink 
like right there, like just snapping out of it. Like I feel like the dad is going to start to embrace the nanny and then the mom's going to snap out of it and be like, dude, she needs to get the fuck out of here. Wow, man. Yeah. You, you're, you're really thinking about this one. And I, 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 I hadn't thought about that, but now that you're saying it, I can definitely kind of see like that kind of flip. Like right now, I feel like the mother is very reliant on her. And then after a while, we might see the mother kind of flip and want her to get the fuck out of there. So. Yeah. And fucking Rupert Grant, like if I didn't know him from Harry Potter, I would think he was like an American actor. He's That's fucking so. killing it in this. He's really good. He's really good. He's really good in this. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So watch, uh, Servant on Apple TV Plus. I I don't know how people are watching this for free. It's whether it's available uh, just through like if you're signing into the Apple TV app and using your Apple login, your uh, iTunes name or whatever the fuck. If you're just able to watch it for free there, or if you have to, I, or or if it's available on YouTube. I don't know how people are, but you can watch the first. Can two I? Um, I I totally don't mean to interrupt you, but. Roku offers the Apple TV app. I have it. Yeah, I'm using it. That's how I'm watching it. That's like it's so because I have an Apple TV and a Roku and it's it's the the Apple TV app like literally turns your Roku into an Apple TV when you're on it. It's so fucking cool. So I know some people that were like, oh, I can't watch it because I don't have an Apple TV. No, like if you have a Roku or anything, you can totally get the app for it. Yeah, yeah. And then you can check out this show and then check out For All Mankind as well while you're there. And, yeah, uh, and, and and the morning show. It's one of Jennifer Aniston's best work since Friends. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump. On. I'm gonna. I think I will start watching that now based on your <laughs> recommendation. So I I will give it a I give I will give it a watch. I haven't started that one yet. I've I hate to be that guy, but if you can get past episode two, uh-huh. it gets better. <laughs> yeah, you were. You, but you know what? I think you were the you were the guy that told me, Brian, you got to get through three episodes of Rush Russian Doll. Doll. I was that guy. And you know what? You true, it was all the better, wasn't it? Truer words have never been spoken, my friend. Like oh that my Russian Doll is one of the best shows of 2019. And had I not taken your advice, I would have stopped watching it after episode fucking one, probably. Yeah, you got to get through episode three you have of that because everything changes. Everything changes. Hmm. Everything changes. I feel like I, I feel like I went through a second puberty. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird it was weird yeah no no but like definitely <laughs> servant servant something you gotta watch but the morning show like it definitely tries to build up and you really like it's kind of like the morning show is building a mystery around because the whole thing is about steve carell being fired for you know sexual misconduct and you're starting to kind of ask yourself well did he actually like, is he actually telling the truth? And it's really starting to build up in episode three where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I definitely recommend that. Speaking, but, speaking of building a mystery, remember that fucking song? What was that? What was that Lilith Fair bullshit? What was that building a mystery song? Remember that fucking? Who sung that fucking building a mystery song? Lilith Fair. Jesus. Um, building a mystery. I know the song you're talking about. Oh, that was Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin. Was it Sarah McLaughlin? Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, you're building a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> holding not on. Not the best rendition of yeah, that, but yes. She goes, she goes, here, I'm looking at the lyrics. You're holding on and holding it in. Is she talking about she's got a poop? 
<laughs> yeah, That's you're working, building a mystery, and choosing so carefully. Oh, God. <laughs> I hated that fucking song. I fucking hated that shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that fuck. Release year 1997. Every time that fucking thing came on, yeah, soft rock. Oh, the softest of rock. Soft rock is like fucking uh, Goo Goo Dolls. Right, oh, fuck, fuck the Goo Goo Dolls. Who's the other? Who's the other one? It was the Goo Goo Dolls. What's the other one? What's the other one that fucking? I can't I get them confused. Goo Goo Dolls, Matchbox Twenty. Not nah, Matchbox Twenty. They're they're pussies. <laughs> they're pussies too. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm gonna type in bands like Goo Goo Dolls. Is it Train? <laughs> oh man. I, I I used to get told that I look like the lead singer from Train. I used to, that oh, shit used shit. to annoy me. Sorry. Yeah. Oh man, who was it? Band similar to the Goo Goo Dolls. I guarantee I'll find it in here if I look for it. Hanson. No, <laughs> not Hanson. You oh okay. You know what? Hanson actually owns a brewery, and their main selling beer is mm hops. Oh oh oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> their main selling beer is mm hops. Yeah, now the the band I was thinking of that's similar to the Goo Goo Dolls, the Gin Blossoms. Oh God, (laughs) the Gin Blossoms. My my fucking band covers that song, and I refuse to learn how to play it. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? (laughs) What's it called? Their their big song that they had, Gin Blossoms. Gin Blossoms. Yeah, here we go, Gin Blossoms. What is their big song? Hey, jealousy. Yeah, and then yeah. found out about found out about you. I found out about you. <laughs> oh, and they did till I hear it from you. Till I hear it from you. Oh, oh, oh. oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Seriously. Oh my god. Them and uh I feel like uh I feel like it, it was it uh, Richard Marks and Brian Adams are two mm. of, they're the same guy. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like one of them one of them jerked off and then it they created the gin blossoms and then the other one jerked off somewhere and they created fucking the goo goo dolls. It was like Did Brian and did that dude sing the number song? Brian Adams? What did Brian? Oh. I get ri- Richard Marks and Brian Adams are the same guy. Brian <laughs> Adams. Didn't he sing didn't he sing the fucking uh the the fucking uh Days three- of Summer one? Oh he sang, oh, oh he sang Summer of sixty nine. Yeah. That song's awesome though. Oh it's, he didn't he come out and say that that song is actually about the, the sexual position? Yeah. Has to be. <laughs> it was creepy though when he came out. It was like a morning show that he came out and he said like <laughs> with Matt Lauer. It was weird. It was oh, like, God. Here, hold on. Here's the here's the uh here's the if you know that it's about yeah, here's what's weird. If you know that song and, and if it is about the sexual position of sixty nine, here's listen to these lyrics. Standing on your mama's porch, you told me that you'd wait forever. Oh, and when you held my hand, I knew that it was now or never. 
Is he talking <laughs> oh, no. about? Is he talking about going down on like rocking some sixty nine on the on his mom's porch on her mom's porch? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what they're doing there. I knew that it was now or never. And so, like, right there on his on her mama's porch, <laughs> he's lifting up that dress that she's going down on his dick. So she's, <laughs> she's, she's slobbing his knob, and he's fucking eating that puss, right? Mm-hmm. Then he talks about the band breaking up. That, that uh, was the summer of 69. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going down on you on your mama's porch. <laughs> Eating some puss. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the new theme song to Queen and Slim with a uh, Macho Man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, that's terrible. Ah, s- sex is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what fucking Brian Adams does in this. If he wants to eat that girl out on her mom's porch, his mom's porch. <laughs> while she sucks his dick, that's fine. Go ahead. It's beautiful. You Do can, you. you. Yeah, you, you kids are exploring your bodies. It was the summer of 69. It was 69. You were doing a 69. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know what I mean? We got to explore each other's bodies. I don't yeah, know. Him and some guys from school, they had a band and they tried real hard. They tried real hard to 69, but he was like, <laughs> fuck, did. maybe I should do it with this girl on her mom's porch instead. I've been, Especially I've, when Jody got married. I've been, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it made it really hard for him to blow him anymore. <laughs> Oh man, that's what's that's what's that's what's fun about sixty nine. It's kind of like sixty nine's kind of a competition when you're doing it. You know what I mean? It's like who can get who to like bust a nut first. You know what I mean? Well, especially because there's no point in complaining when you got a job to do. Yeah, it, you, now you're just reciting. Now you're just reciting lyrics. <laughs> but it all makes sense. I feel like Charlie Day and uh, Sunny in Philadelphia with the map and yarn right now, trying to make these lyrics I make think, sense. No, to that. I think sixty nine should be like a home game, and like it's free. It's free. It's just you do it, and then it's like whoever makes the other person bust the nut first. You just like I win, and you walk away. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you're, you're you know you're going down uh, and she's going up. <laughs> and like whoever fucking makes, you know what I mean, hits that spot and fucking like makes whatever, you know, whether you're making that pussy quiver or whether she's making you fucking like I don't know, explode all over the place. Whoever fucking does it first, you should be like, "I win." <laughs> Just leave. 60 and you get and you get 69 points and you win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's like man if you lose at 69 every time how can you still really winning, though you're still winning how can you really lose at 69 then you know what i mean ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, brian adams you, you've brought us so much joy tonight sir thank you yeah what are you doing what are you doing what am i doing this is stupid what, what do i got i got one more thing do you guys got anything else left? Uh, no. Paul? No, not that I can think of. Hold on. Do I have anything? I got one more thing. 
I saw, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and do news. I watched A Prayer Before Dawn. Have either of you heard about this movie? I had never heard about this movie. I have not heard of it. It's called A Prayer Before Dawn. This is an A24 film. It's from 2018. It's based on a true story. And um, what if the A24 was A69, and it was all... (laughs) (laughs) Hereditary would have been a very different movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, amazing. I win, mom! And like, you know. <laughs> I win, mom! Oh, oh shit! <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, 69 should be a competition. Let's make it fun. You know what I mean? It's a tug of war with genitalia. Can you please start this episode with the summer of 69? <laughs> I will. I, people, people will wonder what's going on. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, it's based on uh, A Prayer Before Dawn. It's based on the book A Prayer Before Dawn, uh, My Nightmare in Thailand's Prisons by Billy Moore. Here's the weird thing about this movie. I remember reading that this was based on a true story. And then after I started watching this movie days later, I forgotten that it was based on a true story until the very end of the movie. And then, wow. This movie stars Joe Cole as Billy Moore. He's been in the series Peaky Blinders on Netflix. He was also in the uh, Anton Yelkin and Patrick Stewart film Green Room. Mm, Nice. Great movie. So good. Billy Moore, a young British boxer and a troubled Yaba addict. Yaba is kind of, it's a, it's a drug kind of like, uh, 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 heroin or something like, uh, meth. You smoke it. And, uh, maybe it's just a fancy name, like a name for it over there in Thailand. But he's, he's arrested in Thailand and he's charged with possession of stolen goods and a firearm. Uh, he's incarcerated mm. into the, uh, Chiang Mai prison. He's quickly subjugated to the horrors of Thai prison life, including being moved into a crowded mass cell ruled by cell boss Kang, forced to sleep next to a corpse and witnessing at knife point the brutal rape of a fellow inmate. Billy's experiences with the other prisoners and personnel are tense, and at one point he goes into a violent frenzy and bites into the neck of a prison guard after being refused painkillers. Um, following the punishment, he befriends a transgender prisoner, Fame. Life in prison worsens for Billy, and he retreats into heavy Yaba abuse. He subsequently beats two Muslim chefs half to death after being bribed by a corrupt prison guard. So these prison guards, if they want you to do something within the prison, they'll be like, I'll get you drugs. Like this prison guard's like, I'll give you drugs if you beat these two Muslim chefs that I don't like. And, um, yeah, it's fucked up. It's based on a true story, which is fucking, this movie blew my fucking yeah. mind. This guy eventually, Billy Moore, joins the prison's Muay Thai boxing team. And he is so good that he becomes the first foreigner to compete in the national Muay Thai tournament. And he represents the prison. Um, this, I, like, I couldn't believe half of the shit that's going on in this movie. There were times where it was like, I, it was hard to watch cause it was just like what this guy went through. And then by the end of the movie, when I realized again, like that this was based on a true story because they, there is a scene where you're introduced to the, the, the real Billy Moore, 
you're, I'm just, I was just kind of blown away by this. It makes you want to read the book, like what this guy has gone through. And it's amazing. It's an amazing fucking story. I, I highly recommend this one. It's a Tupperware. It is what he goes through and how, like, like I know the prisons that, you know, that we have in America are terrible and there's really kind of like no reform programs and the reform programs are bullshit anyway, if they are out there. But like, there is no <laughs> reform program mm-hmm. in these countries, and like the best thing he's got going on is this fucking you know uh, movie tie in this in this movie. Like, but I would highly recommend seeking this one out and watching it. I watched it on Canopy, so if you have a Canopy account, you can watch it on Canopy. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know where it is available. I it's just... uh, free on Prime as well. There you go, free on Prime. Yeah. I would highly recommend this one. It's um, called A Prayer Before Dawn, and uh, I'm definitely going to be keeping Joe Cole um, in my scopes as an actor. This guy is really fucking good. I thought that this was a uh, a very powerful movie and just a powerful story. I, I Yeah, yeah. A you pre- played the lead singer in uh, Green Room, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is uh, this almost sounds like it could be the basis for the cop from the YouTube show Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I was th- I actually thought about that when I was watching this because um, a lot of the all the Muay Thai fighters there in Thailand had those same like tattoos all over their bodies. Yeah, I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, this actually sounds yeah. like it could be inspiration for that. Yeah, like all these fucking fighters had those tattoos all over their bodies. All over their bodies in this. There was, and it was, it looked too real. It sure. looked, I don't know where the fuck they filmed this, but it looked too fucking real. It was, <laughs> it looked too fucking real. So yeah, A Prayer Before Dawn. If it's on Amazon Prime, people watch this one. Just a, just a fucking incredible fucking movie. So yeah. let's take a break we'll come right back. Let's take a break and come back and we'll talk about the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll talk about some more 69 action. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? Like, if you're fucking, like, you're, you're going down on some chick, she's going down on you, and then all of a sudden, like, she just fucking, yeah, boom, explodes. Just coming hard, man. You're making that shit just fucking <laughs> erupt. You know what I mean? It's just fucking, it's like, it's like she's, the, it's like she's doing kegels, but she's not doing kegels. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's like, after you did that shit, you're just like, you stop and you're like, I win! <laughs> In your face! In your face! Look at you! Look at you coming! I win! And you're just like strutting around. Look what I did! I did that! I win! I'm the big winner! <laughs> That's kind of, that, that's kind of fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Boom. And then it's coming up at like dinner parties, you know? Yeah. So, Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, the other day, me and Cheryl, yeah, you know. Anyway. All right, take a break. We'll be right back. That time I won at 69. What's all oh, that time I won at 69? <laughs> 60. I'm not keeping score, Cheryl, but, uh, if I was, I'm the winner. <laughs> I won. 
Big winner. <laughs> Big winner. All right. Be right back, people. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Danon yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we're back. Summer 69. <laughs> That's uh, from the album Reckless. And uh, what's it? What is it? Here, here we go. Uh, what is it? What is that? What is that? What is that? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Back in the sixth of summer, he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like the fucking Kool-Aid man busted into that vagina. He's like, <laughs> 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 hey, back in the back in the summer of 69. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were killing time. We were young and restless. We needed to unwind. I guess mm. nothing can last forever, forever. No, yeah, nothing can last forever. <laughs> Who won that round? <laughs> Probably her. You think she won? You think that uh, Brian Adams was? Uh, he was the Kool Aid man. He was splashing his uh, Kool Aid all over the place. <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> if it looks like Kool Aid, you got a problem. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, you might want to get that shit checked out by a doctor, <laughs> especially if it's like, oh man, if it's fucking like cherry or some shit. Ugh. Oh, and now the times are changing. Look at everything that's come and gone. <laughs> Look at everything that's come. His dick and gone. His pipes are clean. The j- it's. <laughs> <laughs> Every time when I play that old six string, I think about you. Wonder what went wrong. Oh shit! Ooh. Yeah, wow. she won. She did. <laughs> <laughs> what if after she fucking after she fucking makes him come hard on that porch? She's like, I win, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> she she rubs it in. Oh, that's great. Anyway, hey, it's time, <laughs> it's time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, what do we got here? 
Uh, let's take a look at the Thanksgiving box office. This is from Dark Horizons. Uh, Disney's Frozen 2 sequel is heading for a record-shattering $140 million over the five-day Thanksgiving holiday in North America. According to early estimates, the animated feature will easily top the $109.9 million previously record holder, uh, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, which opened uh, in 2013 during the five-day period. Frozen 2, which opened last weekend, should also go past the $300 million mark by the end of the holiday. Uh, it's not sucking up all the air, though, as Ryan Johnson's murder mystery comedy, Knives Out, has not only garnered stellar reviews, but it's getting real, uh, getting great traction with early estimates of $40 million for the first, uh, for the five-day holiday, nearly double its early projections, uh, we're going into this week. Uh, the Lena Waithe pen drama, Queen and Slim, is also beating expectations, looking to snag about 15 million for the five days rather than the 10 million earlier estimated. So yeah, uh, looks like Knives Out, uh, and, uh, Queen and Slim are do- both doing above what they thought were gonna- That's great for the box office. That's great for movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah, Knives Out was excellent. Oh yeah, I know you saw Knives Out. You you loved it. Mm-hmm. I and I top or fuck out of it. I gotta say, Frozen Two was also excellent. I saw that with the kids last weekend. I forgot to cover that in Good Pop Bad Pop, but I hated the first one. That one was actually pretty awesome. Hmm. Yeah. What about Frozen sixty nine? What about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, both of them. Close your eyes. We got we got a stalemate. We're both losers. No, no. frozen sixty. Nobody won that day. No, no. <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> uh, news from new, got more news here from Dark Horizons. Unsurprisingly, Warner Brothers and Legendary have uh, delayed the monster mashup Godzilla vs. Kong by eight months from March 13th, 2020 to November 20th of 2020. The crossover feature follows on from 2014's decently reviewed and solid Godzilla, uh, 2017's very well-regarded hit Kong Skull Island, and this year's mixed-reviewed Godzilla King of the Monsters, which disappointed despite earning $385.9 million globally. Adam Wingard helms the film from a script by Terry, o- Terry Rossio. Uh, yeah, uh, it looks like, and we've got, uh, I know we've got uh, Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown coming back. We've also got Brian Tyree Henry, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Zhang Ziyi, uh, Lance Reddick, um, and some other actors jumping into this one. But yeah, uh, eight more months it's going to be pushed back. Eight months to November. This cannot be a good thing. I think this is the death of uh, these Godzilla and Kong movies. I think like once this comes out, I don't think that they're going to be going like any four I, I i just don't see him making any more of these i think it's kind of mm-hmm. the death of this wasn't hepner talking about rights reverse like reversions and stuff when he was on talking about the godzilla movie i don't remember seem to remember something about that how they're only allowed to make these movies for a certain period of time and then the rights go back to japan and they have to negotiate another deal or something well i know toho's uh, like you know involved in these for the first mm-hmm. time right so yeah that makes sense 
I just don't see it being a good thing. Have you guys heard? Yeah, so we'll see that movie when it comes out. I'm still excited to see these two Titans go up against. You think, what? who would win in a 69 versus this? Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kong would win, too. I think, like, that fucking. Yeah, those teeth on Godzilla can't be comfortable. They can't be and comfortable. King Kong's feet can work his hands, too. I mean. Ooh. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Summer. <laughs> Definitely the summer 69 with him. <laughs> Who, who's just, like, who's producing this movie? Is it Universal or is it Fox? It's Universal. Oh, okay. Cause I, I, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Universal. Like, I think it's Universal. Don't quote me. Brian Adams is producing this film. It's gonna. Oh no! The, the, the final battle takes place on uh, her mama's porch. Is what I hear. No, I only bring that up because I know like some shit with Fox happened this week. Uh, I'm a huge Bob's Burgers fans, Bob's Burgers fan, and I know they were making a movie, and for like a minute. It was announced that that was scrapped, and then the guy that created Bob's Burgers was like, no, 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 it's still coming out. So I wasn't sure if that was, like, in the same case as the Godzilla movie, like, if it's being delayed or... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I did not mean to bring it to a standstill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh no! Yeah, let me look here. Let me see. Nothing lasts forever, I guess. <laughs> legendary, of course, is involved. Production. They say that. Yeah, production company is legendary. Yeah, it's Warner Brothers. It's Warner Brothers. Okay, is doing it. Not Universal. I'm stupid. No. Yeah, I'm a fucking. It's not Fox or Universal. It's fucking Warner Brothers. Yeah, which, which which makes sense. Well, I I thought that legend Legendary's working with both Warner and Universal. I think they were working with Warner Brothers. They had an exclusive deal with Warner Brothers when they were doing stuff like the uh, um like the Man of Steel movie, which I thought was going to be their last movie. And then okay, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to get into all that all that because like that's stuff that I 100 percent don't remember. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about this next news story because we seem to know nothing about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it turned into Bob's Burgers news. <laughs> um, oh, no. Uh, Sam Mendes. Are you guys looking forward to 1917? Yes. It's screened for critics. And have you guys seen the reviews that critics are giving it? It's no. like at 100%, right? Uh, I haven't checked the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. That wouldn't surprise me. It seems like the critics are loving it overall. They're saying that it's a technical achievement, but uh, you know the story is not. It's getting a, a here. Here's what. Let me read this. Cinema Blend's own Eric. This comes from Cinema Blend. Um, they say Eric Eisenberg gave uh, gave it a four point five out of five. And he said, he goes on to say the story is pretty simple and there are a couple of contrivances, uh, that run along in the way, but 1970, 1917 primarily exists as a technical achievement. And in that capacity, it is a true marvel. Uh, IndieWire's Kate Erbland says, uh, the seams are always there, not just the classic narrative tricks used to build emotional connection or the hidden cuts in an ostensibly single take story. Though, of course, Blake and Schofield have plenty of opportunities to walk into full-scale darkness. She's talking about the two actors playing the main leads. 
but even they can't diminish the raw power of 1917, a vivid and wholly engaging epic that seems destined to join the canon of quintessential war movies. Uh, Entertainment Weekly's Leia Greenblatt says the film belongs to Chapman, and more than anyone, McKay, a 27-year-old Londoner, with the long bones and baleful eyes of a porcelain saint or a lost <laughs> Culkin brother. Wow. Jeez. His Lance Corporal Schofield. Really? Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> I know, right? His Lance Corporal Schofield isn't just a surrogate every man. He's hope and fear personified, and you couldn't look away if you wanted to. It looks like people are liking this movie. That's good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Can't fucking wait. I think it's going to have a uh, uh, limited release on uh, Christmas Day, and then it's going to have a wide release on January 10th. Mm. So, yeah, I'm probably looking at the big cities like Chicago and Los Angeles and New York on December yeah. 25th. Yeah, there, and, aren't, there aren't enough World War One movies, so I'm pretty excited about this. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, looking forward to that one. Moving on into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, real quick Marvel news. Uh, we could have, not saying we will, but we could have big news next weekend after the CCXP convention in Brazil. <laughs> Kevin Feige might tease some of those movies in those dates that we don't have movies attached to yet. I happen to think that he probably won't. I, I think that we have enough <clears throat> dates yeah. to- <laughs> yeah, I think like we have all our we have all our four phase four dates kind of like concrete, like as far as what we're getting for phase four. I think that maybe like the big announcement that they have been tw- like teasing on Twitter. Um, I think that maybe we're going to get that first trailer for Black Widow. That'd be pretty cool. And honestly, Fuck yeah, I can wait on the names of those movies, you know, oh, yeah. I want I want this Black Widow trailer. I want to see what David Harbour's doing it in it. I mm-hmm. want to see, you know, I want to see uh, fucking uh, what Scarlett Johansson's doing in this movie. It's not an origin story. Scarlett Johansson came out this week and had a quote that it's not an origin story. We know that. I think this takes yeah, between Civil War and Infinity War, right? Exactly, exactly. It takes place between those two movies. And uh, who's in? Is Florence Pugh in this one? From uh, fighting, yeah. fighting with my family, and yeah, isn't uh, she playing the other Black Widow? Yeah, character. Yeah, I believe she is Florence Pugh from Fighting with My Family, and she was also in uh, this year's Midsummer. Um, hmm. I think she's playing like the new kind of like Black Widow character. Yeah, so I hope that's what we get. I, I don't That'd care awesome. about any. I, like we've got movie announcements. You know, we know what's coming out in Phase 4. We know that we're also... And we've got even movies post-Phase 4. We know when we're going to get a, uh, a Black Panther 2. Right? Is is Black Widow the next Marvel thing that's dropping at all? Yes. I think it's May of 2020. So it's before any of the Disney Plus series. Yes. We're not going to get any of those until fall of 2020, which okay. we will then get Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. 
So I think it is. Okay. Like, we don't have a lot coming out in 2020, to be quite honest with you. It's, oh, there's only like two movies, right? There's two movies and then the series. So we're going to get Black Widow. And I, I believe this is correct. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Go fuck yourself. I don't need you to tell me about <laughs> it. Black Widow in in May, I believe. And then we're going to get in the fall, we're going to get the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then we're going to get uh, the Eternals in 2020. Right. Um, which I've seen some of the leaked behind the scenes photos of, uh, of uh, Angelina Jolie and her costume and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks like hopefully at CCXP we'll get that, uh, that first Black Widow trailer and then hopefully they'll <laughs> release that online. I, I, what kills me is like when they, when we just get to hear those trailer descriptions, like mm-hmm. it, it creates a buzz, but on the flip side, it's like, I want to see this stuff. I want to see it. The bitches. I know. Um, I want to talk about next. I want to talk about what I think is the bullshit Marvel rumor of the week. And okay. this one Let's comes from uh, Charles Murphy of Murphy's multiverse.com. And the article is titled what I heard this week. Black Panther 2. And it goes on to say, things I heard this week, Dr. Doom will be the villain of Black Panther 2 when it hits theaters. No on- fucking way. I- nope. Thank you. Uh, it's going to be Namor more than anything. I would yeah. think that it would be Namor. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to say, Victor Von Doom will begin expanding his empire, conquering parts of Africa, and ultimately come into conflict with the nation of Wakanda and Black Panther. Uh, this represents the entirety of what I was told. That's how it works sometimes. I was given no additional context, no additional details, nothing. At this point, you know what I know from what I was told. However, one can begin speculating and having some fun thinking about how something like this might play out if it actually were true. So he just found this out from one source, not two sources, and is uh, just reporting. And and basically, if you read the article, he basically is saying, I don't know if it's true, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I I, I just don't put much stock into this. I felt like... Mm -hmm. Even in Infinity War, or no, it was Endgame. They talked about, and they tried to, the Russo brothers tried to pass this off like it meant nothing, like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a Namor Easter egg, but they talked about an earthquake that happened in the ocean near Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And that was a Koye when she was reporting into Black Widow. When they're all reporting in, you had that scene of Okoye, mm-hmm. you had that scene of, of, uh, Rocket, where he, Captain uh, Marvel. Captain Marvel, where Rocket comments on Captain Marvel's new haircut, and, <laughs> and, and Okoye is talking about a, kind of a tremor, an earthquake that happens in the ocean, and we're all thinking. Namor. Namor. And then, okay, think about it this way, and I brought it up during our Avengers Endgame episode. Where, it, you know, now you're dealing with, you know, five years of half of the world's population gone and sea life has been able to kind of like probably thrive now. Even though half of the sea life mm-hmm. is gone, it's probably been able to thrive since there's 50% less people. And so now that these people are back, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, Namor and, um, the people, the Atlanteans are going to be happy about this. Now, here's the thing though. It, I don't think it's going to be a problem to put Namor in a Black Panther 2 movie. Namor getting his own movie, that would be a problem because I think, and don't quote right. me, but I think Paramount owns the distribution rights to Namor just like Universal owns the distribution rights to the Hulk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those weird gray area characters that they sold off when they're going bankrupt and yeah, yeah, didn't quite 
make it so they could get it back easily. He, they can still use Namor though in a film. Right, it just right. can't be a Namor film, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, and wait. So when does Black Panther two come out? May sixth of twenty twenty two. Okay, so we're a couple years away. So there's going to be maybe some more setup. I'm just trying to think of how Doctor Doom could even be in the universe yet. Here's, to be in Black Panther two. Here's what they say. They say if the film takes place in the MCU's present day. It would mean that T'Challa is back on the throne of Wakanda just in time to help defend his people and his country's most valuable resource, vibranium. This is, of course, the reason Doom invades Wakanda in the 2010 event Doom War, talking about the comics here. Mm-hmm. And you can e- you can very easily imagine Marvel Studios adapting the story to the big screen. While the comic featured characters from all corners of the Marvel Universe, it could be told on a more intimate scale in the MCU and would have to be in order for it to be told on screen in a reasonable time frame. A big screen Black Panther Doom more would put the focus on T'Challa, Doom, and of course Shuri. I just I I would like to see Doom be bigger than fucking I I love Black Panther, but I want to see Doom be kind of like more of your Thanos type. So what if they do introduce him in a movie that comes out between now and twenty twenty two? And this is just an escalation of his power grab. Yeah, but it sounds like he's like the main villain here in this one. And like we didn't get Thanos as the main villain until we hit Infinity War. Right. I would like to see – and I know they're not – they say they're not leading up to like a big event right now. And I think Phase 4 should just be whatever stories you want to tell. Mm-hmm. And maybe phase five be whatever stories you want to tell before you get into like another decade long, decade long thing. But I think Dr. Doom should definitely be that kind of villain that is a Thanos level type villain. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. For me, it just makes sense for Black Panther 2 to be a Namor, Atlanteans versus the Wakandans. And I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of how this could possibly happen. Like what would be the logical progression of events in the movies that could lead to Dr. Doom trying to take over Wakanda. Him wanting to get a control, get control of their yeah. vibranium. Yeah. Right. But you have to introduce him in a previous movie. You're not going to, right? Yeah. It's just kind of like out of nowhere. We're going to introduce, you know, um, you know his whole Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. You know his whole <laughs> deserves con- more than that. Yeah, his whole country and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan. I, I think this rumor sounds like bullshit. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Murphy didn't stop there, though. Um, I got uh, another rumor from movie scoop extraordinaire Charles Murphy. <laughs> Curse not Charlie Murphy. Charlie, oh, rest in peace, Charlie Murphy. Also, I want to say rest in peace, John Witherspoon. Real quick. Yes. I mean, I've been watching this final season of Black Jesus on Adult Swim, and still getting new episodes with John Witherspoon is just kind of like it's great, but it's also heartbreaking at the same time. This the last episode. I haven't. I'm not current on it. I think I'm one episode behind. But the last episode I saw. Um, John Witherspoon plays a alcoholic, a drunk, a bum in Black Jesus. And in this season, Black Jesus has cured him of his alcoholism. So if he drinks, he can't get drunk. And he <laughs> he ends up taking Black Jesus to court, like a people's court. 
and it's called <laughs> it's called Homie's Court, and he takes him to Homie's Court, <laughs> and he sues him for John Witherspoon's character sues him for six hundred <laughs> six hundred bucks for damages that he can't get drunk anymore, and he just wants to get drunk again. It's oh god, this this season has been it's Char, Char, of course Charlie Murphy's not in it, and he was in the first two, but the season's been great. But it's just like. The, this production has just been like destroyed, sadly, with the deaths of Charlie Murphy and John Witherspoon. It's oh, like I love yeah. Black Jesus. I love everybody involved in the cast. Like Slink Johnson's fucking great. I've fallen in love with his character and his portrayal of the character. And it's just like ah, uh, just losing cast members left and right. And like two of the best cast members on that show too. But anyway, Charles, this Charles Murphy that doesn't know shit. Um, Drop some uh, WandaVision and uh, Doctor Strange two rumors. Uh, he this is this comes from comicbook.com. Charles Murphy claims to have inside sources that are telling him that Marvel villain Nightmare will be revealed to be the true antagonist in the WandaVision series. This rumor is worth reporting as it aligns with a with quite a few prior rumors and or details regarding both WandaVision and Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. Nightmare was the villain that Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson originally teased for Doctor Strange 2. Even though that casting has never been confirmed, the villain choice seems to be in place. WandaVision's mysterious premise of Scarlet Witch and Vision living in a retro domestic life with kids was always seen as a setup for a bigger reveal. Wanda discovering that Nightmare was imprisoning her in a dream world would explain Marvel's teases that WandaVision will start out a sitcom and end with some Marvel movie-level action and conflict. I don't know. I don't know. This could... This it sounds more realistic. Yes. 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 Totally. This sounds like it could be the real deal. I was thinking that we were just... I personally was thinking that WandaVision is... We're dealing with Scarlet Witch... A character who I think like has recently come into her powers that it were granted to her by the Mind Stone. And I felt like this character has been somewhat kind of been able to control these powers that we've seen. But post the death of Vision, when she's by herself, how is this going to affect her? How is the mind – it's called the – it's the mind stone, and that's what gave her her powers. I kept thinking she was going to be the villain of her own story, that her hmm. mind was going to be the villain of her own story. and that That's it, interesting. Yeah. Like how do you – think about that, Neil. Think about like she lost the vision, the man, the robot, the android that she loves, that she's fallen in love with. She's lost him. But with the power of the mind stone that – gave her her abilities she can kind of like recreate him in her brain i think it would like make her go mad Mm -hmm. and i felt like maybe like this whole series like we're wondering what's going on with her what are we watching is this real um we're watching like this sitcom 1950s version of her and Vision being played out here with the nosy neighbor played by Catherine Hahn, and we're like, "What is going? <laughs> this like this is a trippy show? This is trippy as Legion was with Noah Hawley mm-hmm. on Fox. Like, what are we watching here?" And then by the end of it, it like it's going to take Doctor Strange to kind of pull her out of this, and that's what's going to lead into you know the the team up the team up of her and Doctor Strange in the the multiverse of madness. But maybe it is just maybe it just comes down to like. 
Nightmare is the one that's doing this. I just felt like we were going to deal with a character that's dealing with the trauma, the loss of the love of her life and her mind playing tricks on her and her mind trying to, you know, we talked about servant earlier, how this mother just doesn't want to deal with like her mind doesn't want to deal with the death of this baby. And maybe she hasn't really dealt with the loss of vision. And I thought like, that's what this show is going to tackle was like how someone that is powered by the mind stone might try to compensate for loss. Mm hmm. In their head, just by thinking of their lost love, it kind of like brings them back in a weird way, right? I don't know. Yeah, I actually like your idea better um, than this other one with Nightmare. I, I think it's it sure. provides more storytelling things that you could do and more character development that you could do with uh, with Wanda specifically. Um, and then having Vision as like her mental creation would give – Paul Bettany some interesting ways of playing the character differently than he has in the past. Yeah. I, I think it's more interesting. It's also more ambitious, I think, and uh, riskier. So I'm not sure that Disney would go down that road. I know FX did, obviously, with Legion, but sure. I'm not yeah. sure Disney has quite – I don't know if they're quite as comfortable pushing the envelope as FX. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Paul, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I agree with everything with Neil. I mean, this WandaVision definitely sounds like, from what I've read, it definitely sounds like it could be a cutting-edge show, but does Disney have the balls to pull what you're saying off? I mean, I would love it, but totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it will, well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, could it just be like they're setting up the next villain for, you know, the – Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange movie. Could it just be like they're setting up Nightmare? Because, like, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with Baron Mordo. I, 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 I honestly feel like we might get a little bit of Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. But if that Baron Mordo might just be at the end of the movie, kind of like, you know, Cletus Cassidy showing up at the end of Venom 2, <laughs> at the end of Venom, right? You know what I mean? That same hairpiece. <laughs> with the same. Fucking Chuettle Edgy of Four shows up with the, with the Cletus Cassidy wig on. Giant curly red wig. <laughs> Looking like Ronald McDonald and shit. <laughs> uh, that's fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, so. Maybe setting him up for like Doctor Strange 3 to be the big or bad in that. I would think so, yeah. I would think so, man. They got, they got, like, oh my god, you got, what is it, uh, that first movie, you got, like, the two villains. You knocked out two villains in that one. You had Mads Mickelson playing the one villain. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, what was that, what was that name? Kaecilius? Yeah, and then, and then Dormammu at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I have come here to bargain. That was, that was such a scene. So good. Awesome. So fucking good, dude. So fucking good. So many great memes came out of that, too. <laughs> uh, Marvel news here from comicbook.com. Marvel brought the Hulk's Infinity Saga arc to a close, along with the saga itself in Avengers Endgame. But Hulk, but Hulk star Mark Ruffalo is hinting that he may not be done playing Bruce Banner yet. Ruffalo appeared at Tokyo Comic-Con and revealed that he's had recent conversations with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige about his future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Quote, Kevin Feige just asked me last week if I had any more ideas or stories for the Hulk, Ruffalo said. I love the fact that Kevin Feige is going to his actors mm-hmm. 
and asking them. I think that I don't think like he doesn't have to do that. I think it's just I think it's considerate and shows respect. I like right, that. These actors have really crafted these characters yeah. their own way and they kind of know the character better than maybe even he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, and when you get support from the top, like you're willing to do anything almost totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ruffalo said, uh, and I said, yeah, I, I think there's still some stories to tell. And he said, well, why don't you come in and tell me about them and we'll see if we can find a place for you in the Marvel Universe. It sounds like, and I think it's brilliant. You don't, I'm telling you, there's something about the Hulk. There's something about, first off, there's something about the Hulk and little boys. Little boys love the Hulk. Mm-hmm. I, I think little boys love the Hulk just as much as little, 100%. as little boys loved He-Man back when I was a child. There was something mm-hmm. like, if you watch that episode of the toys that made us and it was like, there was something about like, you know, just like this guy yelling, I have the power. And those kids like that. I think the kids love it when like this just regular guy hulks out and turns into this green monster. There's like some lion. Oh yeah. There, there's something about that, that they love. I think like if you don't have the Hulk, I think you do lose. I, I, I think the Hulk excites like young, I think young boys love the Hulk. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say young girls don't like the Hulk, I, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they do. I, I, but she Hulk's coming out. We'll see how that works. But I think like young oh, boys, so I, I, yeah, I think young boys love the Hulk. And, uh, I think it's very smart of Kevin Feige wanting to keep, uh, Mark Ruffalo in, uh, in this. Are you guys going to, have you heard about Dark Waters? Mark Ruffalo's new movie? It opened this weekend, but it's going to open up. Uh, worldwide, oh. is that where he's taking on like a big business? Yeah, I'm, I, I've got, I've already. Oh, I've, right, yeah, I've yeah, already, it looks really good. Yeah, I already got my ticket to go see it on Thursday. I can't wait. I, I nice. I, I love Mark Ruffalo. I love seeing him and stuff. So, yeah, but he, uh, it looks like Mark, Mark Ruffalo did kind of like uh, divulge some information about uh, what he had. Uh, uh, at least one of these you know, stories that he, he brought to Kevin Feige's attention. He said, listen to this. He said, uh, Hulk versus Wolverine. He said, I'd like to see oh, that yeah. Hulk versus Wolverine. Yeah, that was awesome. They could introduce Wolverine just like they did in the comics. Yeah. The, the whole, uh, the Wendigo, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they don't have to introduce it the exact same way. No, but they introduced yes. Wolverine in a Hulk comic. Yes, they did. And can you imagine if we got Hulk and Wolverine? Oh my God. Can you imagine if we get that scene of we see the Hulk reflection in the Wolverine claws? Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> really? It li- that'll happen. I promise you. If oh, if yeah. if this if this discussion happened and if Kevin Feige bites, we will see that. We that is a an amazing comic book cover. If you've ever seen mm-hmm. it, you know. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So <laughs> <laughs> call Brian Adams for that one. <laughs> I would love to see it. DC News, are you guys ready to jump into some DC? Yeah, so Hulk versus yeah. Wolverine, I think we'd all like to see it. We'd all Absolutely. love to see it, you know. Um, I know some people aren't, aren't ready for a new Wolverine. I'm, you know what, like, I, I get it, I get it. I, 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 everybody wants to shelf things for a while. Like, here's the thing, I think like, I, I, 
they don't shelve James Bond for that long. It's like we, we're constantly getting James Bond. I, I, I feel the same way about like Batman and Wolverine and Spider-Man. And I feel like I have no problem with them tackling these. I don't think it takes away from the other movies. I want to see them get it right. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. Sometimes I think, I think, I feel like Star Wars movies, we've kind of gotten a little bit too much lately. I, I've kind of like thought to myself, like, maybe they should just go back to like the every three years we get a Star yeah. Wars movie. You know? And then you get excited for it. Then you get excited. I, I, yeah, and I, I do agree with that. But as far as like the comic book stuff, I feel like with, uh, and we can all talk about Jackman and stuff, but, and I think Jackman's great. But honestly, it's like he's like the best parts of most of those movies. Mm-hmm. And yes. Logan was a great way to go out on it. And I think like that's what a lot of people remember is just like, oh, my God, that's just like that's Michael Jordan hitting that fucking shot over By- <laughs> Byron Russell and winning the 98 championship and going out on top. I think like for me, it's just like, guys, do you remember – Wolverine Origins, like yeah, rough, like 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 Hugh Jackman was <laughs> fine, he was fine. But do you remember Wolverine Origins? Like, I don't, you know, I'm fine with them recasting Wolverine. What was that, Neil? I never saw Wolverine Origins. Good for you, man. On purpose, because Deadpool. Yeah, I'm jealous of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Deadpool's your favorite character, and like that movie was blasphemy to that character. Yeah. Yikes. I saw the picture. I was like, oh boy, that's, that's yeah. not Deadpool. Anyway. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. I think that if they introduced the X-Men without Wolverine first, I would be happy with Wolverine showing up anytime after that. How do you think, what do you think about the X-Men? Are, are, do you, do you go back to the, are, do you think that they should introduce the classic X-Men? Do you think that they should introduce like, you know, of course, like Professor X and Magneto, and then introduce Jean Grey, Scott Summers, Beast, Iceman, you know, Bobby. I mean, do you think that that's the route that she, they should go? Or do you think that they should go with more of, like, the Chris Claremont X-Men, where we're, we already know that, like, uh, and I think that maybe does that cause a problem with the Deadpool stuff? I don't think it should. I think that they could balance it. Well, I think we could take the same Colossus and put him into the new X-Men films. I personally think I would like to see them start with get away from the Gene stuff, get away from Mm -hmm. Cyclops, get away from all that stuff. And I would I would have them start off with the Claremont X-Men. With mm-hmm. with night yeah. with Nightcrawler, with Colossus Storm Storm. Agree yeah. Yeah. Or even yeah. the Len Wein uh, giant size X Men shit. Yes. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, uh, get what's his name? Um, uh, the Native American guy. Uh, oh, what was his name? Yeah. What was his name? <laughs> Thunder. Uh, was it Nightwolf? Because that was Mortal Kombat. Uh, was it Warpath? Warpath. Yeah. Yes. That's one of them. And there was another one. There was uh, God damn it, uh, Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird. Yeah. You know, introduce these characters as I'm kind of really curious as how they're going to introduce mutants into this universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they obviously were restricted from using it before. I'm wondering if they're going to do it so that they've always existed, but they've been underground and hiding this whole time. Or if the snap somehow activated their powers or something. Yeah, it's I for me I guess if they had to go one way or the other it would have to be that they've always existed. 
But then, it, yeah, I'm, then it takes away. It really does take away from like what the X Men mean, because mm-hmm. like if you look at like that, and that's what I think worked in X Men First Class is like kind of like it, taking the story back to the '60s, where like you know they were they were viewed as you know a threat and it was kind of inferior like, yeah yeah, like they were kind of going like, like the x-men were going like mutants were going through like their own civil rights movement mm-hmm. and i think like if like now you introduce them into a world where a lot of people have special powers anyway how can you still make this feel like x-men right you know yeah it's gonna be a really tricky balancing act for them to get the meaning of Right. Why these comics even exist in the first place and integrating them into this this world that's pre-existing. That's why when like fucking Disney first started acquiring Fox, I was saying like I don't think we're going to see any of these characters for about 5 years and if we do get somebody sooner than that, it'll be Fantastic 4 before we get X-Men. Mm-hmm. I just I felt like that they already had phase four in place. They were not just going to shake it up just to introduce the X-Men. And right. then we started getting all these stories about, oh, they're going to do this with the X-Men. They're going to do that with the X-Men. And now come find out, Kevin Feige said, like, he, like we, we literally just got the plans for phase four. Nothing to do with X-Men. Nothing to do mm-hmm. with Fantastic Four. And I was just like, this makes sense to me. Cause like when I was totally. predicting what they were going to do, that's what made sense to me is like, you just don't, you just don't like, um, you don't shoehorn them in. Yeah. You don't shoehorn yeah. them in. Like you fucking, you hold on to that shit. It's just like, um, um, that song, like, um, <laughs> what's that song? Like when you want to come, you got to fucking like, don't fucking just blow your load when you want to come. What's that? <laughs> how's, how's that song go? <laughs> Uh, summer 69? No! <laughs> no! 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 Um, no, but if anyone can do it properly, it's fucking Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what we want to see done here. So, yeah, in Kevin Feige, we trust, right, Paul? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. But I am Jones and for a Fantastic Four movie anytime now. Oh, my God. Who, Good one. What do, you, what do you think? What are you thinking? Are, are, do you think that they're going to go with – do you think that they will go with uh, who was rumored originally for uh, Mr. Fantastic and uh, Sue Storm? Do you think that they'll go for John Krasinski? And uh, Emily Blunt. I, I fucking hope they do. I like. I know that's basic, but I like. I've seen the Boss Logic fan art. Like, I fucking that would be awesome. I can't say that I would hate it. Yeah, yeah. It, right. Like, it just it makes sense. Like, I mean, and I know John Krasinski's been Jones in for a fucking Marvel movie. I mean, he was what the second choice for Captain America. Mm-hmm. Like it would just, yeah. I think they would. I mean, they they got the chemistry, obviously. Can we just? Know, <laughs> can we just? Can I just throw this out there? Since the de aging technology it. on the Marvel side has been so fantastic, can we just? Can we just de age Nick Nolte as Ben Grimm? Oh, <laughs> you have spoken. <laughs> can I? Can, is, nice, is, Neil. Can can we do that? Why do Why do we have to de-age characters just to show a flashback? Can we just de-age a character like Nick Nolte to eventually just turn into a rock monster? I think yeah, Nick Nolte wouldn't be in it as or just get, for very long. Can you or just I, get James Dean? There, uh, yeah, sure. 
I just think I think Nick Nolte would be a great. He already sounds like he's eating rocks, so it's like <laughs> exactly why like why can't yeah I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I'm just trying to think outside of the box here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think like with that de aging technology, they can breathe new life into some of these old actors that can't get into those roles. Like it's like it's not like I want to see another a, a new another 48 hours movie with Nick Nolte. <laughs> like he's like fucking like 80. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Now, like, if they do, like, when the inevitable comes and they do introduce, you know, like, characters from the X-Men, do you want it, like, in the actual movie or do you want our first taste to be in a post credit scene? I'm all for – I'm not Jake. I am all for post <laughs> – Right? I am all for post credit yeah. scenes, man. Like, Fuck, I am yeah. all for post credit scenes. I love post credit scenes. I think it's part of the culture. I think it's, like, what we look forward to, you know? Mm-hmm. He can, you know, I don't know. Like Jake can, Jake is main, Jake's main complaint, and we'll, we'll, me and him will battle to the end of time about this, <laughs> is that if it was that important, it would be in the main movie. For me, I feel like this is just part of the Marvel culture that they've fostered here is we sit around and we wait for this kind of stuff. These movies are worth waiting for. On the flip side, like, you know, it, for other movies, it is kind of annoying that I have to look up. Does such and such movie have a post credit scene? Every single time. Yeah. But for Marvel <laughs> movies, I know I'm just going to get it. I don't mind mm-hmm. sitting there and waiting for the post credit scene. It's, it's part of the fucking event. It's like the anticipation of what are we going to see next? You know, well, what I mean? it's also just like in the comics where yes. that last page is, Boom. you know, something completely unrelated to the rest of the comic. It's like that button of like, ooh, come back next week or next month and you'll find out what's going to happen here. I have said that so many times and it doesn't matter. Me and Jake are just like on two. <laughs> we are on two different worlds when it comes yeah, to the no. post credit scenes. I think I honestly think that it comes down and he would probably say I'm right, but he just wants to get out of of the theater and get into the parking lot and drive off so he can go to steak and shake and get his double steak. Burger. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all it comes down to at the end of the day with him. But, but yeah. I mean, I mean like how perfect at the end of Captain Marvel two, she flies off into the cosmos and we just see like a little space station with fucking Reed Richards and the storm siblings and Ben Grimm just like hanging out. I've always wanted to like, for them to explore like space explorers from the 1960s that went up for a space mission and never came back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that a lot. Fuck. Yeah. And now they come back and they're kind of like, you know, again, like we've had like Captain America be like the character that was out of time. Thor, that was kind of like the fish out of water, you know, from Asgard and now coming to, and here we are having characters that like, Oh, we could look at like, you know, uh, they could do like could look at an article from the 1960s about like this, you know, this this group that went into outer space and and never came back, and and now they're back. Mm-hmm. And like for us, it's just been, you know, it's been you know 50, 60 years. But for them, and I'm saying 60 years because of the five year time jump that we have in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> but for them, it's only been, you know, a week. A week or so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So. Yeah, I love that idea. I, I've been thinking about doing having them do that for ever since they got the rights back. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, Marvel, man, good shit. God, uh, so good. So fucking good. DC news, guys. I, I think we got 
we're going to jump into DC news. Did you guys see, uh, I'll play the DC bumper. It's been a while. Hold on. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. When Batman destroyed her vagina, he won the 69 game with her. <laughs> right? That happened. Batman always wins. Batman always wins. Um, Especially against bats. Yes. (laughs) Variety had an exclusive this week about the future of DC Warner Brothers. It was titled. Did you guys read this article from Variety? No. Paul, come on. Tell me. Paul, you're a big DC fan. You know about this. Wait, wait, are you talking about Robert Pattinson not making, like, that he's not bulking up? No, I'm talking about you not reading this goddamn article, Paul. Okay, that, that's that's headline news. No, man, this is Variety had an exclusive this week. It was uh, it was titled "DC Films Plots Future with Superman, Green Lantern, and R-rated Movies." This covered this article covered the spectrum of DC, and it talks about sure. Matt Reeves the Batman. It talks about Superman. It talks about their future with R-rated movies. It talks about Green Lantern. I mean, this article covered a lot of stuff. And it comes from what they believe are some of the insiders uh, over there at DC Warner Brothers. This is what they had to say about Matt Reeves the Batman. And we've had talks about, like, what are they doing with all these fucking villains? What, what's going – are we getting the long Halloween? Is that the story that we're going to be told here? What's going on with this fucking Batman story with all these fucking villains that they've been casting? Paul Dano as the Riddler. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Uh, and they're, they're casting uh, uh, John Turturro as Falcone. So here's what they said. There had been chatter that the entire film would unfold in Arkham Asylum, the high-security prison known to comic book fans, for housing super criminals. But that is not the case, according to insiders. Only a handful of scenes will be set at Arkham. If the movie works, Warner Brothers and DC believe that any of these villains could headline their own spinoff movies. Key cast members in both The Batman and Birds of Prey have contract options to appear in sequels and standalone films. Not a lot to go on there, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not just these small scenes in Arkham Asylum, um, but they don't, but they, they are saying like, uh, uh, these villains could spin off, uh, into, into their own movies, whether that be like an origin story like the Joker or whether that be like their own kind of like, they're the main villain of a Batman movie. I don't know where they're really going with this. Yeah. I mean, I love anything R rated. If DC did it, that'd be fucking amazing. Well, we'll get, uh, we'll get to the R rated stuff here in a moment. Okay. I mean, like, my gut instinct tells me they're doing, like, a whole J.J. Abrams, it's not con type of thing with it's not hush. And it's going to be a hush movie, which I really hope it's not. That's just, like, pretty much glorified cameos or my dream would be Clayface at the end fucking being all these villains. But, I mean, I I just can't say anything right now because... I trust Matt Reeves like he's given us great shit, but I would I mean a Riddler movie with Paul Dano. That'd be fucking awesome. A fucking penguin movie like showing the rise of penguin as Colin Farrell. That'd be great. Like it'd be cool to kind of break the stereotype of just a sluggish penguin and make him a true 
like underlord mobster that ruled the streets of Gotham. I think that that's what people are worried about, though, in the Batman as far as like just getting too many characters and them not being able to focus on. I think people are just like, I just want people are so burnt out by like what DC did with their most recent films. We started off with a Man of Steel movie. Then we waited mm-hmm. years and we finally got a follow-up film, which was uh, Batman v Superman, which introduced Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, yeah, a bunch of different characters. Too much for a lot of people to handle. Ah, sensory overload. And I felt like they were doing a little bit too much, man. I just when the movie's totally. called Batman v Superman, which was the original title of the movie. And I was like, yes, fuck, yeah, I can't fucking wait. And then all of a sudden it comes out with colon, dawn of justice. I was throwing my middle finger up at that point. Yeah. Because I was like, basically, you're just, you're giving away what happens at the end of the movie. You're calling this the dawn of the Justice League. Oh, Batman v Superman is the first act. But in the second act, it's the dawn of the Justice League. And we're all, fuck you. It's the dawn of Martha. Fuck yeah. yeah fuck you. <laughs> Fucking now, like, bullshit. If you came out and told me we're adapting Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum and that's why we have all these people, I'm all fucking for it. Here's the thing, though. It's like we've seen we've seen Batman movies and the most recent stuff tackle a little, little bit too much with some of the villains as far as, like, uh, even the Schumacher movies where they had too many villains in those movies. And uh, a lot of people have been thinking, like, they've been just – they've been trying to speed along this universe, so it's left a bad taste in their mouth. I'm not saying that you can't tell a great Batman story with multiple villains. I think it can be done, and I think Matt Reeves can do that. But I think most people – I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying, like – they're short-sighted, like, oh, uh, you know, like, just give me a singular villain, and that's what I, like, that's all, that's all I can handle. I just I just want a monogamous relationship with one villain in my Batman <laughs> movies. I can't handle a threesome or a foursome. I can't, you know what I mean? Like, me, yeah. I, for me, it's like, if, if I can get Matt Reeves, and if he wants to have fucking, uh, if, if he wants to have villains and, and, and they're double-fisting Batman or triple-fisting Batman, whatever, <laughs> I'm totally fine. I, I don't give a shit. I I, I just want a great Batman story. I don't care how many villains are involved and how many villains that they throw into the movie. As but of course there needs to be just a a main focus of yes. like who mm-hmm. there needs to be focus. You just you can't just throw in all these villains and to just throw them all just in. to throw them in. There has to be a main focus. There has to be. And, and and I I do understand that, and I, I understand people's concerns. I'm not saying that people's concerns aren't unwarranted. I I think at the end of the day, we have to have a a focused Batman story. And, well, yeah, go ahead, man. All right, like I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, especially with Robert Pattinson. Like he's known as the Twilight guy, but he's done so much great fucking shit, and I don't want him to be overcrowded with fucking 20 villains where that cuts into a screen time. Like this is the time, like this is a huge project for him to really show off his chops. Like, yeah, it's Batman, whatever. But like, you're going to be front and center. Let's put him front and center. Let's, I don't like, I, I know you just made fun of the monogamous shit, but like, let's put him just up against the fucking Riddler. Like, let's get a good zero year story. Like, let's really get to see. That's what not Robert what's Pat- happening though. Pattinson. But we don't yeah, know. I, 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 
but we I know, I we, know. We don't know if that's what's happening. I can't tell you if that's what's happening. I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to show us Paul Dano as the Riddler, and if that's going to be the main villain of this movie. It for me, it sounds like personally, for me, it sounds like Penguin's going to be the main villain of this one. I think. I think Colin Farrell. I think Penguin will be the main villain at the end of the day in this movie. If I had What's to your- guess. I, I mean, which could totally be great, like seeing Pattinson go up against Farrell. But like, I still want to see a lot of what Robert Pattinson can do as not can do as not just Batman, but as Bruce Wayne. Like, let's really fucking dive deep into a younger Batman and present him into this. I, dude, I get it. For me, it's like I think like I think if you get Penguin as the main villain in this one, and then we just have like the threat of Paul Dano's Riddler somewhere in this one, and then we just have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman showing up on rooftops, fucking with him, flirting with him in moments throughout the movie. That's fine as long as they're not fighting. As long as she's not like an integral villain in this episode, but she just shows up, kind of flirts with him, kind of fucks with him. You know, yeah. while, you know, just kind of a taste. Yeah. Imagine, like imagine I, him fucking fucking scouting a villain, whether it be Riddler, whether it be Penguin and watching them from a distance. And then she's there. She just shows up and she starts talking to him and fucking with him and blah, blah, blah. Like I can kind of see that. I just don't there, I, I don't want I don't want there to be too much going on and. As far as like all these villains, I don't want there to be too all these villains. I hundred percent agree with you yeah, on that. They should I not. I think play. it'd be really, yeah, go ahead. Really interesting if um, they start off the movie with him hunting down like the Riddler and catching him. Yeah, Catwoman can show up here and there, and then he moves on to the next case, which would be the Penguin, and that would be the bulk of the movie. Where so you you've introduced the Riddler. And you've established him as a character, and you've established Batman's prowess as a detective, and then he's in Arkham, and then maybe at the end of the movie, Arkham gets broken out of by the Riddler or something, and he comes back for the next one or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely want to see... I totally agree with you, Neil, but, like, I definitely want to see the Alfred... Like, Andy Serkis as Alfred. Mm -hmm. Fuck, yeah. I'm stoked for that. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks he wasn't Penguin, but as Alfred, fuck yeah, like I'll take that too, dude. Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> Andy Serkis like, is anything right now. I'll take. Oh, the funniest fucking comment that I read on Reddit about Colin Farrell as um, Penguin, and I can't, I'm, I can't quote it verbatim, but it was like at the end of the movie we find out that it's not actually Colin Farrell as Penguin, but Johnny Depp <laughs> as Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I lost my shit. I was like, you just earned my upvote, Reddit guy. (laughs) But I think I'm totally... I'm losing you, Paul. I'm losing you. You're cutting out, Paul. Oh, do I have to pause? Paul, you paused. Are you here, Neil? Yeah, I'm here. I can't hear Paul, though. Paul, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool, cool. Sorry about that. Give me that whole thought again, because we lost you there, Chief. All right, yeah, no, like, I definitely agree with you that I don't think the villain should, like, really take away from the story, but, like, give us a good, like, main antagonist to really build on, like, Bruce Wayne. Like, I mean, we got a young fucking Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, like, let's dive deep into his relationship with Alfred. Let's build into that. Let's Mm -hmm. build into, like 
him turning into the world's greatest, like the world's greatest detective. Let's see him lose a couple times to the penguin and mm-hmm. build off of that. Like, that's what I want to see. Cause I mean, I just watched fucking high life. I think Pattinson gets a bad rap from twilight. Like he's admitted that like, let's fucking see him yeah. really delve deep into this. Like, I think he's the one that can really bring I the do. bat back. I think you're right, dude. He's got the chin, bro. He's got the yeah. chin. He's got the chin he's got and the he's chin. got the acting chops. Like, let's fucking yeah. just see him be both. Like, I want to hear him be part of me wants this to go a little bit. I know this sounds crazy. Part of me wants this to go a little Sin City with hmm. I, I want to hear. I, I want it to feel like old school detective noir. And I want to feel I want to hear the like monologue? I want to hear Batman. I want to hear fucking Dark Knight Returns. Let's hear the inner monologue. Thank you. That's what I want, dude. I want fucking. Yeah. I want the fuck. I want to know what's going on in his fucking head. If he's the world's greatest Old detective, war, yeah. I want to hear him fucking working shit out in his head. And okay, I, I want him like, narrating this story. That's what I want to hear. Great. Yeah. Like I'm gonna fucking tell you, Brian. I mean, Mask of the Phantasm is my favorite animated movie, but right behind that is The Dark Knight Returns with Peter Weller. Yeah. That movie's good. fucking awesome, but it's missing the monologue from Frank Miller's fucking graphic novel. Right. Hmm. Like, give me that fucking conflict, like what he's thinking. Like, let's get in the mind of the fucking Batman. Let's let him be the fucking narrator. And you know, if you have Robert Pattinson reading off those lines, man, like I'm Fuck yeah. I'm gonna be hanging on every word, listening to Batman's inner lo- monologue. Are you kidding me? Are you Fuck fucking yeah. kidding me? We're in the like, mind of yeah. Batman right now. Like that's that's how that's how that's where we are right now in this movie. Like, come give me the give me a fucking break. Yes, I want. I, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking that's cool, Neil. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fuck I like yeah. that a lot. Like I, I want to see him lose in the movie. Like at first, like I want to yeah. see. Like I don't want to see. Things. Yeah, I don't want to see Batman like in his fucking senior year. Like I want to see him as the freshman. Like let's yeah. build up off of that. Like, and I think Pattinson's the guy to fucking do it, and Reeves oh, yeah. is the guy to get him there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now the the article from Variety it went on to talk about Superman next, and it says the studio has less clarity on what to do with Superman. A character who has now been rebooted two different times in the last 13 years, once with Brandon Routh, Superman Returns, and later with Henry Cavill, Man of Steel, without landing on a winning strategy. Superman has also appeared frequently on television in shows such as Lois and Clark and Smallville, and uh, which has led to some fears at Warner's what the market could, uh, that the market could be oversaturated with hot takes on all things Clark Kent uh, to help find a way to make Superman relevant to modern audiences. Studio Brass has been pulling lots of high-profile talent. There have been discussions with J.J. Abrams, whose company Bad Robot recently signed a massive first-look deal with the studio, and there was a meeting with Michael B. Jordan earlier this year with the Creed star pitching Warners on a vision for the character. However, Jordan isn't ready to commit to taking on the project since filming doesn't seem likely to happen for several years. And he has a full dance card of projects. Insiders think that a new Superman film is unlikely to hit screens before 2023, given that there's no script and no director attached. Guys, think about that. No mm. new Superman film before 2023. Man of Steel came out in 2013. Oof. A decade. When do you let 
Cavill go. Yeah. Cavill wants to be in the role. He had that very cryptic Instagram video that he posted where he held up the Superman doll of himself. And it was basically him saying, I'm still Superman, is what I believe it was saying. And he's not ready to give up on this character. He's still, as far as he's concerned, he's still wearing the cape. But what what do you do here? Like, do you do you chase down Michael B. Jordan as your next Superman? Do you do you find do, do you try to get Henry Cavill in there with the right director? Do you think that Henry Henry Cavill is Superman? Do you think that with the right director he could be the Superman that we've wanted for so long uh, out of the shadow of Zack Snyder? If we get like a Matthew Vaughn or if we get a J.J. Oh. Abrams. We get a J.J. Abrams or a Matthew Vaughn. Do you think that, 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 do you think that Henry Cavill should still be in this role? It, it's one of those things where, like, they, they, they talked about, uh, J.J. Abrams possibly, since they have this first look with Warner Brothers, that he could also be looking at, uh, at, at Green Lantern. But, um, what do you guys think? What, 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 what the fuck? Because Shazam, that cameo at the end of Shazam was supposed to be Henry Cavill. But th- th- here's the thing. It's like, he wanted a little bit more money for that. They didn't want to give it to him. He wanted it to count as one of his film appearances or something. And like, they didn't, they didn't green light it. Uh, they didn't give it the go ahead. And it, it just turned, it was, it just never happened. So like, I liked the way that it did turn out in that movie. I thought it was cute and funny, but, it didn't do anything for me to like give me confidence that Henry Cavill's coming back in the role. <laughs> so, right. so <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just per- pretty much, I'm asking you for your opinion. Do you want Henry Cavill back or would you like to see somebody else in that role? Do you think it's time for Henry Cavill to move on? Um, I'm fine with him coming back. If that's the direction they want, to the franchise to go in if they want to continue with what they've started. But if they feel like they need to, um, change it up a bit, I, I would love to see Michael B. Jordan in the role. Yeah. I think he could be absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think Michael B. Jordan would be great in the role. Like, God, I love them as Killmonger. I'd like, mm-hmm. I think he'd be Fuck, yeah. great Superman. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, I also feel like, Cavill hasn't been given I feel like Cavill hasn't been given the I'd like to see no. what he could do under a different director. What he could do under yes. a different like give him a fair shot. I'm just talking like I'm talking like, with, like as as an actor. Like yeah. Right? Yeah, with like a with somebody who has a better vision of Superman and what he means overall cuz he, he's supposed to stand for certain things and Zack Snyder kind of shit on him and i would like to see a director with a clearer better vision of the character give henry cavill the chance i I would like that yeah but i would also not be angry if he was done and they moved on and they cast michael b jordan i dude i echo (laughs) i echo everything that you're saying right now i i don't think that cavill would be done i think that they would have to like force him out of the role to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you but like how long can you keep this guy holding on like yeah t- till 2023 are you kidding me he's not going to get a sequel until fucking 10 years later <laughs> 10 years later are you kidding me 
Yeah, I a, mean a sequel, uh, a sequel ten years later. How how have all the other decades later sequels been? You know, you look at Super Troopers two, Anchorman two. Well, uh, Christopher Reeve, Boondock had, Saints two. Christopher Reeve had four. <laughs> Christopher Reeve had four films in a nine year period. Yeah, yeah, uh, man, like. Not counting all the stuff with the Shazam thing and money stuff, it almost feels like Henry Cavill is now just like a man with nothing to lose. Like this is the role he's wanted to play. Like it seems like his heart's totally into it right now. He's not giving up. Like let's give him, let's give him this last shot because there's nothing more dangerous than a dude with nothing less like with nothing left to lose. Like let's put him in there. Like. Dude, when you said Matthew Vaughn, like call Brian fucking Adams right fucking now, because I'm all fucking for that, dude. Matthew Vaughn and Henry Cavill in a Superman movie, fuck yeah, dude. I think I would love to just see Henry Cavill put everything on the table, one last ride as Superman, and maybe a Bills from there. But I also well, wouldn't Matthew be Vaughn, opposed. To- Matthew Vaughn has said like I've got you know like he's talked about wanting to direct Superman in the past. Like I've had, I know, yeah, so. Yeah, but like, I mean, like a friend, like, cause I mean, Scott Snyder, I can't speak for the guy, but I feel like he came in with an overall vision that included everyone, every character, and it just didn't work out. Like, let's have a Superman, cause Man of Steel was pretty fucking great. Like, that just focused on Superman, then Dawn of Justice tried to do too much. Let's get someone that's just gonna give us a Superman story, and let's like Cavill fucking ride it out. Yeah, yeah. I, here's the thing. It's like, I, it's it's almost it's weird. It's almost like Warner Brothers is just like keeping an eye on Henry Cavill right now. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, people seem to like this guy in Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, <laughs> we, let's not announce a new Superman just yet. I feel like they're waiting again to see how the Witcher series I was just mm, about to say that is taken. In December. So December 20th, I believe, the Witcher series drops on Netflix. How will people view the... I feel like if the Witcher is successful and a huge hit at Netflix, I'm not saying like it's not going to get its viewers. Viewers aside, I'm talking about critical and viewers. Let's say like the Witcher not only... Does it bring in like fans of the book and fans of the game, but it also brings in casuals like me that know shit about the book or the game. And, and I'm into <laughs> it, man. Yeah. Me and you, Neil, we're into it. Let's say we're into it, man. It brings us, we're fans of the Witcher now. And it has, <laughs> you know what I mean? Has to do, it, and it has a lot of it has to do with Henry Cavill. People are getting mm-hmm. on, people are getting on fucking, it's trending. It's on Twitter. Hashtag the Witcher all over the place. All, and then do you think that, do you think that, do you think that Warner Brothers is looking at like, okay, our actor that is, that is Superman right now. We haven't replaced him yet. Is getting all that is garnering all this love. It'd be stupid not to. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of fucked up though. Right. A little bit that they're, that they're putting this guy through this, that we're not going to give you your next movie until you prove yourself again and again and again. We, you know, it's kind of fucked up. It's like, I felt like Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Has he earned it though? 
That's the thing. It's like Man of Steel is so divisive. It's there's so many different ways to look at this because like we can look at it from like the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, and it's like he earned that goddamn sequel. He more than earned that fucking goddamn sequel. He more than earned it. And it's like uh, I feel like it's just been a constant struggle for Henry Cavill to get Man of Steel two off the ground with Warner Brothers and it's it's a goddamn shame they're giving they're giving Wonder Woman it's true that if you perform you get a sequel if you perform you get a sequel mm-hmm, your yeah. own sequel your individual sequel if you perform you get a sequel Wonder Woman 2 Wonder Woman getting a sequel Gal Gadot's getting a sequel Jason Momoa performed getting a sequel Super the Trench is getting a fucking spinoff. Thank you. <laughs> They're talking. The goddamn sea life is getting a fucking. Uh, <laughs> the sea life in Aquaman is getting a goddamn movie, and Superman can't get a goddamn sequel, dude. What the fuck? I don't know, man. I don't know. I hope Cavill. I hope The Witcher's great, man. I hope it's fucking great. Yeah. I hope it's fucking great. I, I wish nothing. Uh, I wish no ill will against Henry Cavill. He seems like a good dude. Seems like a nice guy. He's got fucked up teeth. I mean, <laughs> just based on English. him, just based on him reloading his arms in Mission Impossible, he should yeah. have the sequel right there. <laughs> you know who's not doing any Invisalign commercials is fucking Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not doing one of those Invisalign commercials. Fucked up teeth. As the British do sometimes. Yeah, I know. It's a stereotype. British people <laughs> in the teeth. It's true, though. It's true, though. Uh, Dan West, you have beautiful teeth, though. I don't know. I've never... <laughs> I've never... I've, does. I've never looked at Dan West's teeth. It's not like I've looked at his teeth. Um, I see him behind that beard. The article then talks about DC going forward with uh, more R-rated projects. Quote, Joker became the first DC release to nab an R rating. Uh, but it won't be the last. Birds of Prey is also expected to get a similar rating, and insiders predict that James Gunn's upcoming Suicide Squad sequel will also be R-rated. In nice. the case of Birds of Prey, the film... Thank you, Neil. I'm glad to hear that out of you, because like I think if any director deserves... James Gunn is an R-rated guy. Like we oh, can, yeah. you can talk about fucking Guardians of the Galaxy all day and the PG-13 and all Romeo that stuff. Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. Thank you. It's confirmed it's going to be rated R under James Gunn? No, not nothing is confirmed. Okay. But they're saying that it, they're, they're saying like if anybody if it if it makes sense for anybody to have an R-rated Suicide Squad, it's James Gunn. Like let Fuck this yeah. And if anybody's going to fucking push for that R rating, it's going to be James Gunn. James Gunn is an R-rated guy. Look at his fucking tweets that got him fired from Disney. This guy is an R-rated guy. <laughs> Look He's, at Super Thank you. He's an R-rated guy. Look at fucking uh, Belko Experiment, which yeah. he wrote. He didn't direct, but he's an R-rated guy. And totally. so uh, this article goes on to say, in the case of Birds of Prey, the film won't be in the pitch black grim vein of Joker. Insiders describe the film as a more humorous, spirited girl gang adventure, albeit not one for younger children. A series of recent reshoots dramatically improved test screening results, and the studio is confident Birds of Prey will be a hit when it opens in February. And so, yeah, I feel like there have been, I think there's a PG-13 version that was cut. I I think there was an R-rated version that was cut. And, Paul, I think that there was a version cut that had to do with those fucking 
dick pics. The and, dick pics, yeah. I think that there's another version that doesn't. So I don't know which one they're going to go with. I've heard that they're taking the dick pics out of it. But with the success of Joker, who knows? They might just go fucking all in on this fucking dick pic shit. I don't know, dude. They could, yeah. Yeah, they definitely could. I Yeah, I've been the strongest. If you listen to the AMA Badcast, I've been the strongest proponent for this movie. And the leaks you read the other day kind of made me not too high on it. But I'm still fucking gunning for this movie to, you know, to be a success. I still think it could be, man. I still think it could be. I still think it could be. Like, I... Like, I've read the spoilers, and I do think the spoilers are legit. I do think the spoilers I, are legit. I agree. But I think there's multiple cuts of this movie, and who knows what they're going to go with at the end of the day. Um, I do think the Wonder Woman spoilers that I've read previously on episodes are legit. I think that we're going to see Wonder Woman in her fucking eagle armor in that movie. I think that there's uh-huh. going to be this wishing stone and all this shit, and who knows. I think those are legit as well. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Suicide Squad could be rated R. It sounds like Bird of Prey will be rated R. I think it will be. I think that – and the article actually kind of talked about how, um, you know, we don't have Fox Studios anymore. But Fox was kind of like they were giving us the R-rated Deadpool. They were giving us the R-rated fucking Logan movie. Fox Studios is no more. And who knows what Disney's going to do with like R-rated comic book stuff? Are we going to get an R-rated Blade movie? Are we going to get an R- another R-rated Deadpool? It sounds like we will, but who knows? But here's the thing: there's this kind of like you know uh, gap now. Now there's this now there's no more of these R-rated movies coming out except for Joker recently, and that worked for DC. So it's like could. DC kind of pick up the slack here when it makes sense. Yeah, you don't need to make an R-rated Wonder Woman. You don't need to make an R-rated Aquaman. But you damn well could make an R-rated Birds of Prey, and you damn well could make make an R-rated Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Well, and you could make an R-rated fucking anything with Harley Quinn, as DC Universe pretty much pointed out. Yes, when <laughs> yes. they fucking released it. Yes. So, yeah, it seems like they're trying to maybe. You know, they know that there's a uh, um, a desire for R-rated comic book movies, even R-rated comic book movies that aren't from independent comic books or graphic novels. They, people just want, like, R-rated comic book movies if it comes from the DC universe. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. God damn it. People loved, people loved Logan. And it was R. That was R. That's an R-rated yeah. Wolverine movie. Will we ever Great. see another R-rated Wolverine movie again? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so too. I don't know. But it was fine not, with them yeah. being PG-13 in like the team-up movies. Me but too. if we get any more solo movies, I want them to be R-rated. Me too. Fuck yeah. If I got fucking Wolverine fucking going over to Tokyo, Japan, and you the know what I mean, Rage. Yes, that's what I want to see, man. That's what I want to see. God damn. Uh, so what is DC planning on doing with Green Lantern out, outside of the HBO Max series that we know that was announced? And are we getting a Flash movie still starring Ezra Miller? This article goes on to say, beyond embracing the darker undercurrents of the DC canon, the company is also revisiting characters that they believe were ill-served by previous big screen adventures. Green Lantern Corps remains a priority despite the fact that 2011's Green Lantern was a high-profile commercial disaster. John's talking about Jeff Johns is delivering a script at the end of the year. The project may be presented by, uh, may be presented to, uh, to Abrams and bad robot to see if the company would be interested in producing the picture. 
Remember, J.J. Abrams signed a first-look deal with Warner Brothers. However, Greg Berlanti, another major talent on the Warner lot, is partnering with Johns on a Green Lantern television show. There's also speculation that relationship could lead to his involvement in a feature film. I hate that idea. Dude, mm-hmm. lead, just if you're going to have him do anything, do that fucking TV show that people will watch for a few episodes and then drop off of eventually. <laughs> <laughs> just like everything else on the CW. But don't have him involved in the fucking Green Lantern core movie. God damn. Get me Idris get me Idris Elba as John Stewart and call it a fucking day. Oh, fuck. Oh, yes. Shit. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right? I mean, come on. And then First, Aegis Elba makes everything amazing, so it makes everything better. Like if you imagine Aegis Elba just sitting down at the Thanksgiving table with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I'd be thankful for that. I would uh, be me thankful. too. God damn, me too. Even the fucking Dark uh, Dark Tower movie. He was the only good part in that He movie. was the only good part in that fucking film. I also go on to talk about Flash. Uh, Warners and DC also have uh, ha- still have faith in Ezra Miller's smart-ass interpretation of the Flash and are proceeding with development on a standalone <laughs> film. Based did they the- say smart-ass interpretation? Yes, they did. This, I, I am 100% quoting the Variety article right now. That is the greatest heading of all time. DC has tapped IT director Andy Muschietti uh, to oversee the movie. As enlisted hmm. Christina Hodson, uh, the, uh, from Bubblebee, uh, to write the, uh, screenplay. Christina Hodson, I think she's doing, uh, screenplay for, yeah, she's doing for- the screenplay for Black Batgirl. Oh, nice. Okay. And, uh, production on The Flash won't be able to start until Miller finishes, uh, up work on the next Fantastic Beast films, which means that cameras are unlikely to roll until 2021. Hmm. I don't, dude. I'm. I don't give a fuck about Ezra Miller's Flash anymore. I nope. u- I used to because no. I, I like I, I. I remember watching him in uh, what was that movie that he was doing with uh, fucking Shailene Woodley? Was it Shailene Woodley? Or no, Perks was, of Being a Wallflower. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That was it. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I fucking love Ezra Miller. He's so fucking great. And it's it's like he's so awesome, and I do like him. I I like him as an actor, but. Anymore, I don't give a fuck if he's Flash anymore. I don't give a fuck. I'm fucking done. All this shit, like, all this fucking shit. Like, do we really give a fuck if fucking Ray Fisher comes back as Cyborg at this point? No. No. I was over it when they went through 25 directors for the Flash. (laughs) No fucking shit. Oh, fuck. I mean, I think it, everybody was attached to that at one point. Rick Fumiyawa. Then it was fucking. They were talking about Robert Zemeckis possibly being involved. Yeah. Then it was the the game night directors of uh, John Fanchus Daly and uh, was it Goldberg? Seth Goldberg, I believe, is his name. And then it was uh, Seth Graham Smith for a while. And then it was. And then it was, uh, I don't know, man. It, they, they, yeah, everybody. Like, it got, this thing got passed more than a fucking joint at a goddamn fish concert. Like, it was just. <laughs> fucking Martin Scorsese's gonna be a fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. So, yeah, and then the, they talked about the, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, and, the, and an insider said, it's a pipe dream. There's no way it's ever happening. So. Yeah, uh, it sounds like uh, the Snyder Cut of the... I personally think, like, if the Snyder Cut does come out, first off, like, 
Would I like to see it? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Just out of curiosity. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I wouldn't watch it. Fuck yeah, I'd watch the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Can't be any worse. Can't be any worse than what we saw. I would watch (laughs) it out of curiosity. I watched the director's cut of Batman v Superman, and I know some people were just like, oh my god, it's so much better than the theatrical. And I'm just like... It was not. It wasn't great. Ooh, it confirms the guy's Jimmy Olsen. Big deal. Yeah, come on. <laughs> give, me a, give me a fucking break. Whatever. Woo. If you like, if you like, if you thought, it, if you thought it made the movie so much better than that, that's that's your thing. All right, that's your prerogative, Bobby Brown. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it just didn't do anything. Snyder Cut, even if the Snyder Cut does come out, let's say Warner Brothers, unfinished, unfinished footage, unfinished footage, and they finish it. They they drop millions on this fucking thing, and they're like, ah, oh, we're going to use this to roll out HBO Max. We're going to get all these Snyder Cut fans that fucking sign up for HBO Max. They're going to be able to watch the Snyder Cut at home day one. They're going to fucking enjoy Snyder Cut. They pay millions to do this. It comes out. There's still another movie. There's still like this was part of a three. This was a three parter. It was Batman v Superman, the Justice League, and Justice League Two. We'll never get that third fucking movie. There's not going to be any satisfaction there. So if the movie, first off, if the movie comes out and it's better, and I know I've said this before, I'm just fuck. I know I'm 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 just spinning the same tires. <laughs> but if the movie comes out, if the movie comes out and it's better than what we fucking saw theatrically, it makes Warner Brothers look like morons. Number two, now you got everybody saying bring Zack Snyder back to finish his fucking trilogy, and that ain't gonna happen. Happen. No. So it's no. like, I don't know. There's no satisfaction. Would I like to see the Snyder Cut? I'd love to, out of curiosity. But that's all I got. What do you guys, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Maybe you don't even give a fuck. Neil, I happen to think, like, you don't give a fuck. Like, you you don't give no. a shit. You don't give a shit about the Snyder Cut. Not at all. I mean, <laughs> the movie was bad enough. <laughs> To begin with, yeah. I don't think, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't like Zack Snyder as a director particularly, so I don't see how it, I mean, it couldn't be any worse. Yeah. yeah. So if it gets a, any, like, marginally better, that's still a bad movie. I think and, the only thing that they could do is, like, if they have the Snyder Cut, if they did release the Snyder Cut, just do it as an animated movie the way it would have, you know, and then like the, mm-hmm. the if they wanted to finish it with the way Snyder would have finished it, do it as an animated film. That's the only that, way to do it. That'd be sweet. Opinion. That could be interesting. I mean, you know, that's the only way to do it, in my opinion, is just to mm-hmm. do it animated. But like, even then you're not getting, I don't think you're getting Ben Affleck and all these actors to reprise <laughs> their roles. No. <laughs> would they just take the dialogue from the movie? <laughs> plastered over <laughs> uh, uh, you know what I would love and I've always said this like um, the way they fucking the Bumblebee movie mm-hmm. the way that the G1 Transformers looked in that opening scene of that Bumblebee movie oh, I would love to see I would 100% watch Transformers the animated movie with the original voice actors if they just made it live action and took all the fucking mm-hmm. sound effects and voice actors from the original animated movie and did it in that live action so I would watch oh, wow. that I That'd would watch amazing. that all day 
Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron, oh. Robert Stack as Ultra Magnus, and it's all like I would watch that, and I would fucking I would spend, I don't know, I would spend. Oh my god! I, if I could see that in the, I would see that theatrically and spend. I would yeah. spend a lot of money to see that. Orson Welles as Unicron as you, on his goddamn deathbed doing that fucking yeah. Unicron shit. They like had to, Idol. Did you know they altered his voice for that because it was so bad? Really? Yeah, oh. they had to alter his voice for that because he was on his deathbed. Like it was like bad. He was in bad shape. Eric Idle as Retgar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Casey Kasem is Cliff Jumper. <laughs> oh, hell yeah! <laughs> Fucking, what's his name from uh, The Breakfast Club? Uh, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Hot Rod. Rodimus Prime. Rodimus Prime. Rodimus Prime was such a bitch. I fucking hated Rodimus Prime. <laughs> Rodimus I just Prime watched was... the uh, the Transformers episode of uh, the Toys That Made Us. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, I got such good flashbacks from that movie. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, I don't know. Star Wars news, do you guys care? Yeah. Do you? You want to know? Okay. I'll talk about this. Uh, Star Wars news, uh, the Obi, this comes from, uh, Dark Horizons, Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming to Disney Plus. Um, they talk about, um, the third episode of The Mandalorian has provoked an interesting reaction, offering arguably the most Star Warsy episode yet and getting people excited about Chow's next job. Talking mm-hmm. about Deborah Chow here. Uh, she is uh, going to be the showrunner. She directed the uh, third episode of The Mandalorian, and she is the showrunner for every episode. She's helming every episode of the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi t- uh, Obi Wan Kenobi TV series. Uh, it's going to be a six episode series. It'll be set eight years after Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Um, as things have become complicated for both the galaxy and Kenobi, speaking with the New York Times in the wake of her Mandalorian episode, the Helmer discussed what she learned from showrunners John Favreau and Dave Filoni going into the next series and how tackling a whole limited series interests her far more than doing a film. Quote, one of the biggest benefits is that I just spent the last year in the Star Wars universe and I had great mentors coming in under John and Dave, absorbing that, I feel was the best training I could have to take on the next one. So much, so much of it, just feeling it and understanding it on an instinctual level to know what's right and what's wrong with it. And there's so much knowledge. Every prop, every costume is important. Every detail really matters. There is so much going on between Revenge of the Sith and the New Hope that hasn't been explored. The idea of being able to go into a character journey plus the politics and plus all the vastness of the Empire and what's going on is exciting just because it feels like a proper period of history. And sometimes that is hard to do in two hours. Sometimes with two-hour movies, there is always an imperative for the action and the plot to move particularly fast and quickly and to go from one action sequence to a another action sequence and there are many more aspects to storytelling that I find interesting. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's like, uh, I think she's very, uh, and who knows, who knows how long these episodes are going to be. It's weird because the Mandalorian, like the first episode was like 40 minutes. Second episode was like, you know, 27, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, like really like, 
how long are each episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series going to be? We're getting guys, guys, think about this. <laughs> think about that. I want you to think about this. this is really happening. We're in a day and age. Obi-Wan Kenobi is playing, uh, excuse me. Ewan McGregor is playing Obi-Wan Kenobi again. It's happening. My yes. God. That's happening. <laughs> Like it's insane. We're, we're there. Amazing. The last time he played the character was t- 2005. It's been, it's been fucking, by the time this series comes out, it'll be like 15, 16 years since we've seen him as mm-hmm. this character. It's happening again. That's where we are now. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's a wonderful world. What are they going to do? It, it's at eight years. I'm going to, I'm really going to have to look into like the, the timeline here because it's like eight years after it, it, did they say re, eight years after revenge of the Sith? Mm-hmm. Shit. They're definitely going to have to look into rebels and shit like that. Cause I know it'll be like, that may have taken place a little bit later, but still, uh, rebels is like, You've got, I mean, Rebels, like, Ezra is around the same age as, uh, he's close to the same age as, as Leia. Okay, then never mind. I mean, they're within a year or two of each other. I think okay. Leia might be a year older, or a year or two older than Ezra Bridger. Did you guys see the live action Lothcat? On the episode four of The Mandalorian? The what? Lothcat. Did you guys watch Rebels? No. No. Oh, okay. I watched like a couple episodes of the first season, but I definitely watched the fourth episode of Mandalorian. There, I've about lost my shit. There's like this moment in episode four of the Mandalorian where the fucking baby Yoda is walking around and there, there's this fucking CGI cat that like hisses at him. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's a fucking loath cat from Rebels. Like, that's a, oh my god, there's a whole episode with the loath cat. Like, this is, I was just like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. I love this show. That's awesome. I love this show. Me too. Yeah. Mandalorian's been amazing. It's so fucking, did you guys notice, like, the Comtano safe, um, in the previous episode three? Do you know what that was? The Comtano safe? No. That was, do you remember uh Will Rowe Hood from Empire Strikes Back? Not offhand, no. Will Rowe Hood, uh, do you remember when Cloud City was being evacuated and you saw the guy running with the ice cream maker? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. That's, okay. The best car the best car was in it. The best car is in the ice cream maker <laughs> that Will Rowe Hood. It's the same style of like That's Will awesome. Rowe Hood's ice cream maker that he ran around and so apparently, I guess it's in the Star Wars universe, this ice cream maker is a safe. And so, like, yeah, so I just, that's fucking crazy. Have you guys heard about, like, the running of the Wilro Hoods at no. the nope. Star Wars celebration? Like, every Star Wars celebration, <laughs> like, they have what's called, like, the running of the Wilro Hoods or whatever, where it's all these cosplayers that dress up as Wilro Hood and they, and they run holding these ice. I am really appreciating the attention to detail the series is is done. Yeah, it it is fabulous. I mean, it is. 
Yeah, it is. It's, it's fucking amazing. I think it's, I think it's when you get guys like John Favreau and Dave Filoni working together. And then they also are just like, you know what? Let's get George Lucas in here for some consultation. And I mean, yeah. I think all these things work. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they Absolutely. all fucking get on Mama's porch in 69. The fuck out of each other. <laughs> Those are the best days of their life, man. They call it, they call, instead of Dave Filoni, they call him Dave Filady. They call, you know what I mean? They're like, yeah. Dave Filatio. Dave Filatio. <laughs> oh man. Red five, red five, red 69, red 69. <laughs> I can't shake him. I can't shake him. (laughs) Uh, Why would you want to? He's fucking sucking your cock. Anyway. Did you hear about this? This comes from The Verge. Did you hear about John Boyer? Did you hear? uh, There are a few secrets in Hollywood as sacred as anything involving new Star Wars movies. Which is why when an authentic Rise of the Skywalker script ended up on eBay, (laughs) people at Lucasfilm panicked. So director J.J. Abrams told Entertainment Weekly that an anonymous actor left the script under his bed for Rise of the Skywalker. A housekeeper found it and gave it to someone who posted it on uh, eBay for sale. A Disney employee saw it and purchased the script before anyone else could. <laughs> Though Abrams may have tried to keep the actor's name anonymous, John Boyega, who plays Finn in the new trilogy, told Good Morning America that it was his fault. The issue, <laughs> Boyega said, is that he forgot the script was under his bed while partying with his friends. Truly, <laughs> who amongst us can fault him for that? Uh, <laughs> quote, I was moving apartments and I left the script under my bed. I was like, I will leave it under my bed. And when I wake up the next morning, I will take it and then move. But then my boys came over and we started partying a little bit. The script, it just stayed there. And a few weeks, (laughs) and a few weeks after this cleaner comes in, finds the script and puts it on eBay for like 65 pounds, which is like, (laughs) that's nothing. Yeah. And so, um, luckily, uh, somebody, uh, one of the, uh, Disney employees saw it and, uh, bought it up on eBay for basically like 85 bucks. But, uh, can you imagine purchasing that on eBay and then, holy shit. Honestly, guys, I, here's the thing. I know a lot of what I think is going to happen in this movie. I've been diving into these spoilers. So... I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about having a Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker spoiler episode come out. It's a bonus episode. I'm thinking about it. And if we get it, you guys should get it within the next week. I'm thinking about diving in and putting all these spoilers out there that I've been reading about. But, um, yeah. Oh God, this movie—it's <laughs> uh, going to be interesting when this movie comes out. But yeah, um, poor John Boyega. What a—I don't know. Kind of, kind of, kind of the Tom Holland of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> oh, young Doesn't... British guys, man! I'm terrible <laughs> at this. <laughs> yeah, true. Tom Holland, young British guy. <laughs> Unfucking believable, yeah. Can you imagine buying that script though? Oh my god, that would have been incredible. 
yeah. it fucking still has still has the John Boyega partying juice on it. Oh god! <laughs> Yikes! I don't know if that's alcohol or semen. You, you be the judge. I don't. He know. won. He fucking won. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, apparently, like everybody over at uh, at Disney was calling him and uh, yelling at him. So they, they they were not happy. But guys, that is. Go ahead. No, just it's the last movie, so it's not like they can fire him. That's true. That's true. And it's not like like I think like at that point he's kind of like <laughs> proven himself anyway. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Guys, that is all I got. That is all we have this episode. That is all the news. Nice. We did it. Now, I do got to say because it is Thanksgiving, I got some people, and I didn't know Jake was going to be on, so I'm going to send it to you guys to play later. But we, some of us made a. Thankful for PCL audio thing, but oh really? Watch, yeah, totally. I could always play it now, but I mean, it's also to Jake. Well, shit, dude. Does he know about this? He does not. Well, shit. Like, hold on. So, like, what do we do, Paul? What do I we, don't know. What do we? We're kind of like we're kind of at a kind of at a stalemate here. I, I don't know what to do. Like, I I'm, part of me wants to hear this because it's. Kind of I put the bad me. signal out on Thanksgiving, yeah. and quite a few people responded. I'm sure more are going to. So is this like an audio or video thing? I was going to play the audio, but I was going to send you the video. You're fuck Jake. Let's play. Hey, rock it, dude. All right, hang on. Fuck Jake. Fuck you, Jake! <laughs> fuck you making a living. He works hard for the money. Thank you guys for a great show that has brought endless Can you hear it? to yeah. me and always to others. Thank you for birthing the leftover army where a lot of friendships have been made. You guys are the best, even if you think you're not. Glad to be a part of the journey and have a wonderful day. What's up, guys? It's Chris. And it's Dr. Kim. From my one black friend. And my one white friend. And we're just giving a shout-out to uh, Brian and Jake over at PCL. Because without your, without your show, it wouldn't be our show. A shameless plug there. <laughs> right? Wait, what it? Hang on. Just took your show, shortened it, dumped it down. Wait, hold on. Go back. Yeah, rewind. Rewind. Can, okay. Can I go? Can I? <laughs> I'm gonna start from the beginning. <laughs> who's it? Who's the beginning? Who's this guy? Who's this guy that's thankful and shit? I believe it's Eden. Who? Who's who? Eden Paul. Oh, Yaden. Yaden Sturdivant. Yaden. I believe that's him. Endless entertainment to me and always to others. Thank you for birthing the leftover army. Kind of sounds like the Mandalorian, doesn't he? In that helmet. (laughs) Even if you think you're not, glad to be a part of the journey and have a wonderful day. Yeah, this is the way, right? It's Chris and it's not him from my one black friend and my one white friend. And we're just giving a shout out to uh, Brian and Jake over at PCL. Because without your show, it wouldn't be our show. We basically just took your show, shortened it, dumbed it down, added a black guy. Boom. My one black friend, my one white friend. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Just, Happy Thanksgiving, guys. That was just an ad for their show. Pause that shit. Hold on. Pause it. <laughs> <laughs> Pause it. That was just, that was just a, that was, that was just a plug for their show. That was 100% just a plug for their show. 
You gotta be shameless. Be fully shameless. That was just like, hey, uh, we just we, uh, we basically took your show and added a black guy. <laughs> I'm quickly trying to delete the animated backcast one right now. Are <laughs> 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 you ready for what? some more? <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Brian, Jake is a yes man or whatever, but I don't think any of that. I think is this Brooke? It sure is. And honest and uh, without. You Can you pause real quick? I want you to go back. I want you to go. Does she sound like? It sounds like. It sounds like thieves have broken into her house and she's <laughs> and she's fucking recording this under her bed she's giving us like a fucking signal to like come save her this is recorded two days ago she's no dead. it's almost like she's not worried about her own safety she she realizes that thieves have broken into her home <laughs> but she still on the flip side needs to knock out this recording for you and she's reading this under her bed at the worst time ever. Probably the time where she needs to be the most discreet and most quiet. Yet she feels like, you know what? I'm going to knock out two birds with one stone. <laughs> and I'm also, I'm going to hide from these fucking criminals that are in my home that may try to harm me. But I'm also going to make sure that Brian and Jake know that they are, uh, that we're thankful for them. Uh, it, during this season of uh, things that we should be thankful for. Absolutely. <laughs> <Don't>, it, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Doesn't it sound like she's under a bed just fucking saying this? Like, like, Some of the audio is a little silent. Yeah. I had to use compressor and fucking, um, you know, I had to really try to tone it out. Oh, you God. Know, it, uh, again. What's that called? The levelator? Levelator. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Here we go. What the fuck is this guy yammering around about? Benjamin Thomas here. Uh, this Thanksgiving, I just wanted to say thank you for this community that you've built and all the friends and family that I've made through the leftover army. So, again, thank you and happy Thanksgiving. Hey, hold up. Pause. Yep. Benjamin Thomas sounded like he had other things to do. Holy shit! <laughs> Didn't it? You know what I mean, like this. You know what I mean, like he's this guy's walking through the streets of New York, holding a briefcase, and he's rocking like a fucking I don't know. He's wearing an Armani suit, and he's got he's got three cell phones going off right now, and he's got he's got to let us know Holy real shit. real quick, and he's got to go. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. Rewind. Re Gecko rewind. There. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. I keep. No, 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 no. <laughs> I keep critiquing. And these are all people that are thankful. They're retracting the, the thanks at this moment with me. Just is this the moment where I should just be listening and be thankful for them? You do whatever you need to do, buddy. Oh my God, I'm ruining this, aren't I, Neil? Am I not being, you know what I mean? Like, hold on. You're what? totally not accepting it. You're hey, deflecting. Neil, Neil, Neil. Is this, is this, am I reacting badly to all this? Is this not I think normal? You're reacting in the most Brian way possible. Yeah, totally. It's amazing. I'm going to ask for a better thing, but my phone's at 8%, so I'm just going to. Oh, no, 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 no. Can you charge that fucker? Charge that fucker. Well, there's only two minutes left. 
Okay, I don't, okay, go go for it. Just play it. Play okay. it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch. So thank you. Oh, thank you, too. Thank Ryan and Jake and everybody else who's been on the show for making my days on the metal road way more bearable. Uh, back to watching X-Men. Hey, Brian and Jake. Benjamin Thomas here. Uh, this Thanksgiving, I just wanted to say thank you for this community that you've built and all the friends and family that I've made through the Leftover Army. So, again... Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Brian and Jake. I didn't see you there. I'm just waiting for a PCL episode 310 to post. But now that I have here, I'd like to say thank you for everything that you do. Oh, my God. What's that noise? What are you doing? What yeah. are you? I tried to get that out. Hey, Brian and Jake. This is Larry Mayday here. Just want to say thank you for all that you guys do. Putting the show out each and every week as many times as you guys can for watching all the movies, bringing stuff to our attention, and bringing us together in the Leftover Army. You know, I really do appreciate it. You guys have helped me out in more ways than uh, I'm going to mention right now. But what I will mention is I am not thankful for the fact that you guys introduced me to what a lemon party is. <laughs> I'm gonna say no, thank you to that, but thank you to everything else. I love Larry. Awesome guy. Thanks, Brian and Jake, for doing what you do for Bomb Culture Leftovers. Hey, Jake and Brian, it's June. Just wanted to tell you how great I think you guys are and how happy I am to have found this weird, crazy, wonderful podcast. Because without Pop Culture Leftovers, I would have never met these really amazing people that's part of this awesome community. And that is what I'm truly thankful for this holiday season. Love you guys. Hey there, Cats, the old man here. Just want to let everybody know that I'm extremely thankful for these two jive turkeys over there giving us great content every week. I really want to thank them for it. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. But that's not what's important. What's important is to tell you about my my new um, podcast venture that I'd like to spend the next 20 minutes talking about because it's really exciting. You're really going to love it. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Oh man, thank you. Thank yes, yeah, classic shooty there. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic shooty. Uh, I'm sorry if I cut people off with their thanks and shit. Um, maybe can you send me that file and I'll play it after after the uh, end credits. Absolutely, I'm sure. Like I definitely got more people sending stuff in, so well, I can yeah. send you what I just played for sure. I probably won't post this episode until sometime tomorrow anyway. So like whenever you want to send that to me. So, awesome. Yeah. We'll work out those details later. Well, yeah. We're all thankful for you guys, dude. Yes, I, indeed. I, My life would be very different if there was no PCL. 100%. Ah, oh, thank I you. I might still be married. <laughs> I might still be married. <laughs> we we destroyed we destroyed we destroyed a marriage. We st- <laughs> till death till death do you PCL. <laughs> oh man, I want to thank both of you. Like, hold on. Like, I don't know if you knew. But like before this episode started, I was like, "This is the battle for number one." Neil's my number. <laughs> Neil Neil's my number one guest. Neil won. He won. Paul it. Paul is like my number two. Like this is going to be, but, but like, they're neck and neck. Like this is the battle. You know what? You both are fantastic. You both did a great job. Thank you, Thanks. man. 
But I gotta, I gotta give this episode to Paul. Oh yeah, Fuck for off. sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's always an honor to be invited on. It, it always is. You guys, you guys are amazing. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I love having you. I love having both you guys. You guys, like, I love having guests on that just like, I, I feel like I, I can just be myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like I can just kick my shoes off and say whatever the fuck I want to say. I, like, I'm not getting judged the entire time. You know what I mean? And like, you guys do that for me. And I love having yeah. you on. You guys are great. But, Thank you. I feel the same way. Yeah. And it's nice just to be able to, you know, talk about a bunch of cool shit and with other cool people who, mm-hmm are in similar frames of mind right exactly no i agree i agree i love that that's what i love about this so i love about the show that's what i love about the people that left us that amazing audio recording so thank you so much and i want to see that thank you i did not know jake jake mixed that missed out because he's not here it's not his fault he would have been here if he could have been he just was forced to work unfortunately but i don't think like everybody else uh should be you know kind of uh um, punished and not be able to listen to that. Thank you, everybody that sent in those. Brooke, get out from under that bed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope she's okay. I'm worried about her. I think she's good. That was sent about twenty. That was sent not too long before we recorded. Oh man, her whole home was ransacked, and <laughs> she was trying to call Liam Neeson, who shall not be named. Oh man, he was too busy. Oh God, opening his mouth and inserting a foot. <laughs> Inserting a foot in that fucker, wasn't he? Jesus. What a, yeah, what a yeah. year for Liam Neeson. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Now, uh, just because I feel like we need to keep it going before we end, I forgot to say uh, I watched uh, Once Upon a Time uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Scoot, Maner- Scoot McNary's in that one. Scoot McNary? Who did he play in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? He was one of the Western. He was like on. Um, he was on the Lancer TV show. Okay, there you he go. He was businessman Bob. Businessman Bob Scoot McNair. Oh man, I just I gotta go. I'm just yeah. Fuck this. Yeah, I was just <laughs> looking for the. I was looking for the triple Scoot, and it failed. It failed so bad. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Scoot oh, McNary. Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary. <laughs> And that is a triple. That is how, that's go. a triple scoot, everybody. All right. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy packs. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts It's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it take? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Ain't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say? It's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only time.